What is up? I hope everyone out there is safe. I hope everyone out there feels love. And I hope everyone out there is ready for a good podcast. Today on the podcast, we have my good friend, Alex Rose. Alex Rose is a teacher here in Atlanta. Uh, He's a YouTuber. He has a YouTube page called Barbells and Burnouts. It's about lifting weights in cars, but more so it's about the cars. He's a good friend of mine. I've known him for many years. He's my fraternity brother. And for some weird reason, we started this podcast off talking about birds. So without further ado, give it up for my boy, Alex. Are you ready? Are you ready to try? In a early man's you got to make a decision, but don't wait too long. doesn't fly bro but that's like that's such a fucked up like okay it's not fucked up but like so you look at like bald eagles or something right they're very graceful they're majestic they float through the sky and then like when they hunt you ever seen like an eagle like a falcon snatch up like a bird of like a actually prey yes so i watch uh for those of you don't know i do a little bit of bird watching for my house so i watch red-shouldered hawks (laughs) off of my balcony i watch red-shouldered hawks i've watched red-tailed hawks um i've seen a broad-winged hawk Wait, 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 wait. So you like, did you see these birds and then Google what they were or did you just know? So originally I did Google, um, but I have a friend, my, uh, my freshman year of college, I had a roommate named Tariq and he was like into bird watching, like really into it. And, um, I, as a kid, I had kind of liked bird watching a little bit because I would, you know, look out my window at the dinner table. Yeah, what are they called bird guys? What is it? An ornithologist? You had an ornithological little... I can't say it. Ornithologist. Ornithological. I think it's orthon or to even mess me up. I think it's orthonologist. I could be fucking that up. That could be a foot doctor. I think I did. Because I think orth- orthopedic. Orthopedic foot doctors. Ornithology. Ornithology. Uh, yeah, ornithological. <laughs> ornithological. You were, you had an ornithological. I had a bird watcher as my roommate as my you friend. Had a straight up bird watcher. Yeah. So like as a kid, I kind of was into birds a little bit. Just you know, looking at them. I always loved cardinals. That was the only bird I, I knew. Cardinal and a robin. But um, I remember one year, I think it was our sophomore year, I was walking through campus. Mm-hmm. And you know, by the bell tower on campus, there was yes. a, a juvenile hawk there. I don't remember what kind of was. Bro, first off, yeah. that fucking hawk was entertainment. Yes. <laughs> when, yes. Did you ever see him eat something? I saw him try to eat the squirrel. He was hunting for like an hour trying to get the squirrel and could not get it. Bro, I remember I saw him jack a squirrel and that was the <laughs> coolest shit. Because everyone, like people started screaming. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Why would he do that? I'm like, he's a fucking bird. What do you want <laughs> him to do? That's literally his job. That's li- exactly, bro. And it was so, it was so crazy, bro. Because it was like some National Geographic shit. Mm-hmm. Like, but it was in the middle of the campus. And here's the thing. I didn't feel bad for the squirrel because Elkwood had the most arrogant squirrels I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. They were arrogant. Like, I swear to God, they throw nuts at people. I swear to God. I'm probably making that up. I've seen them definitely chase people. But, like, the beautiful thing. So, I think if back in my memory serves, that was a red-shouldered hawk. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, red-shouldered hawk. It's because it's if a golden. memory serves. Yeah, it's like it got a golden brownish body and, like, yeah. up around its chest area is red. Mm-hmm. Um, the beautiful thing like that, so I'm an environmental science teacher, and mm-hmm. seeing red-shouldered hawks, they are an uh, indicator of the health of the area, of the ecosystem around. So the more red-shouldered hawks that you have present, the better the ecosystem is. And red-shouldered hawks, only, red-shouldered hawks only hunt in deciduous and carnivorous tree forests. Yes. 
So the fact you've that had was, a lot of time to figure shit out during this quarantine. Amen. You've had a lot of fucking. That's good. Yeah. So I know that because Holy when I was shit. when I was out there um, teaching the kids. These are hood kids I was teaching, so I was teaching environmental science. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't care about trees. You know yeah, what no one gives a fuck about trees. So, like, I would be like, no, this is actually, like, pertinent to you. So I would take them outside. I was like, how can you learn about environmental science mm-hmm. in a classroom? So we took them outside. And one class, I took my third period class out, and we were looking at trees and stuff. And I saw a mm-hmm. red-shouldered hawk flying around. Now, okay. the thing about this... um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was just flying up in the air. And I was like, oh, God, it's a hawk. Yeah. And the kids were like, what's that? So the thing about this school is it's in a forest. It's in a deciduous forest. Right? Where, where, is, where is the school located? This school is in Atlanta, Georgia. It is right off of Campbellton Road. Area, okay. All right. So this is the hood hood. Mm-hmm. Okay. 30331. Mm-hmm. So, but there's trees everywhere. Mm-hmm. So seeing that hawk, the hawk landed. We were on one side of the football field and yeah. the other side. The, was the goalpost. Mm-hmm. The hawk landed on the goalpost. And I was like, oh my goodness, class, you know, let's look at this. This is environmental science in front of us. The hawk swoops down <laughs> and flies real low. The kids are like, oh my gosh. Then he sits in a tree, uh-huh. maybe about 20, 30 feet up, but very, very close. So you could, the kids were looking at him and they were like, oh my gosh, Mr. Rhodes, this is the closest I've ever been to a hawk before. Like, Holy this shit. is crazy. This is amazing. I'm like, yeah. science. Science. <laughs> I was like, I felt like Bill Nye right there. So, science. So based off that, yeah. the next day, I like I did my research that night, came back to the class, hit him with a whole presentation about how important that red-shouldered hawk was. To the That's ecosystem. beautiful. Yeah, man. You know what's crazy? So apparently Atlanta is the most forested city in the country. So, like, we have the most trees per, like, square miles, and it's beautiful, bro. Mm-hmm. So, like... um um at the old apartment we used to live at i don't think you ever been yeah you've been you remember the old apartment yeah. you used to live at right so right behind that was the chattahoochee river right mm. and next to the chattahoochee on either side were these two running trails right okay or running hiking trails and then like it kind of connects into like the sidewalks and shit so um one of my friends from school when the quarantine started he started this like running challenge so it was we had like a two months to run 100 miles oh it's not that bad what it's not that okay so 60 days to run 100 miles it was well something like 60 i don't think it was completely 60 bro but it's not that bad so if you i think if you ran i did it in 20 days so yeah how much cocaine did you smoke that night didn't do any cocaine zero cocaine actually did it drug free speed no speed no drugs just the holy spirit bro just the Holy Spirit and like all the rap, all the rap music, all over, all of it. Oh, yeah, Eminem and Walker. So I think, I think uh, my average, if you average like four point six miles a day, you could do it in twenty days or something like that. It was some, some weird. I can't remember exactly. What? I, it was twenty or twenty one days. What possessed you to run four miles a day? Okay, let me tell you. So, at first, I joined it, but I didn't think anyone else would take it serious. So I was like, oh, I'll just do like twenty miles, and then we'll just goof about it. And I didn't do it for two weeks, and then I got on the app. And the dude who started it, him and his wife had both, they both had like 30 miles. And the person in first place had like 40. And then there I am at the bottom with a big fat zero. And I'm like, I can't go out like that. (laughs) I can't go out. So the first day I ran, uh, the first week I ran like a mile and some change every day. And then like my body got used to it because after that first mile, Cause like I lived on a hill too, mm. so running down that hill was fine. Coming back, yeah, I remember um, one day I was running full speed, and I'm like, "This is fucking bullshit." Because yeah. I'm not going anywhere. I'm running, <laughs> fucking fall, hill. running hard, and it's like, "Oh, I'm falling back faster than." Bro, going facts. 
but like um as, as my body got used to it and as i made up in my mind this is something that i wanted to do because other than that i was just sitting in the house and like what i realized if you just sit in the house especially during like the early part of the quarantine people didn't know like if the country was gonna implode all you get is bad news and you just feel stagnant dude going outside was the best part of the day right mm-hmm. so there'd be this nature trail bro and it's right next to the chattahoochee and you're running and I remember one day my headphones died, and I just took them out, and I'm like, God, this is what nature sounds like. It's so fantastic. Then I saw a deer. We made eye contact. We <laughs> ran away like a bitch. There are birds out there and shit. It was fan-fucking-tastic. And then uh, that dude got shot in that neighborhood while jogging, what? and I was like, son of a bitch. Oh, Ahmaud Arbery. was like, son of a bitch. I can't do anything. I thought you were talking about in your neighborhood. I was like, what? No, oh, not in my neighborhood. I, I was in Cobb County, bro. I was yeah, with yeah. good Gentile white people. Then that dude got shot. And I was like, what the fuck? Black people can't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. We fucking can't go anywhere, man. It's but bad, man. Just the amount of nature that was out there, man. And it was dope. But one day, I uh, I got lost in, in on a trail. And I ended mm. up running 10 miles that day. <laughs> bro, it was terrible. Cause I got, so the problem is, so you would be walking on a sidewalk. And then you take a couple turns. And you'd be in the woods, woods, right? Mm-hmm. Now, my rule when I'm out in the wilderness or in the ocean is very simple. I never go further than the white people. So if I'm in the ocean, right, and I'm further than the white people, I swim back, right? That way, if I'm swimming and I see two white people in the distance and one of them go missing, <laughs> yep. okay, <laughs> time I'm to close, go back. I'm, you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. here's the thing. I don't have to outswim the shark or outrun the bear. I got to outrun, outrun you. Fast. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember I was running one day and I was pumped, dude. I was jazzed. I was having a great day. And then I start looking around. I'm like, I'm in the woods, and I don't see no one else around me. And then I remember, then I remembered, like, uh, so <clears throat> sometimes black bears make their way yeah. into, like, North Atlanta, so, like, Cobb County and Buckhead and stuff like that. And I'm like, black bears are bitch-made, but a bear is, is a, a bear. bear. <laughs> <laughs> so I fucking, you can't outclimb a bear or outrun Bro, it. facts. Like, you're fucking helpless. Like, I saw the Revenant. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so he got beat. He got cooked the first time, got up, got cooked the second bro. time, and got, dog, he was, he got fucked tore up. up, bro. Bro. And here's the thing, like, so apparently it's supposed to be based on a true story, so like, he just, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I stabbed the bear to death, I'm like, nah, bro, but like, so I want, my point is, I ain't trying to run into no bear, I got lost that day and shit. His throat definitely got slashed, I think, the first oh, or second time. Oh, 100%. Here's the thing about bears, bro. So bears don't consider people to be, to be food, right? Yeah. So, so they so when you're running, they say when you're in the wilderness, especially if you're in bear country, the best thing to do is to make a shitload of noise, right? Because the word like there's the one the only thing worse than a bear is a mama bear, and the only thing worse than a mama bear is a startled bear because then they're just gonna attack you. So the, when they attack you, they're not going for a kill shot; they're literally just mauling you. So they're <laughs> fucking. Like, oh my gosh, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Exactly, that's exactly what they're doing, bro. It's fucking, it's, 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 God, no, don't want to run into a bear. So, your life is um, probably one of the most, inter- one of the more interesting, like, arcs I've seen, right? <laughs> From, like, meeting you in, like, undergrad, mm-hmm. uh, to starting our organization, to, like, where you are now. Um, it's been interesting to see you sort of mature into the person that you are now. And I use mature in a very loose sense oh, because I, still, I don't know what that word means. You're still a, an insane person. So, bef- okay. So before you became a teacher, which is what you are now, mm-hmm. you were into cars. In fact, you wanted to be called <laughs> the fucking drift king. <laughs> 
even though you drove a Mustang, which doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know what's even funnier about that? You would never call. <laughs> you would never see a Mustang and be like, oh, obviously the Drift King drives that. <laughs> even funnier is now what I do. Like, um, so I have a YouTube channel. Um, it's called Shameless Barbells plug. and Burnout. Shameless plug. Yes. We were going to get to that, but I, oh, okay. I love yeah. how you hop to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, know, you always got to be on that mindset, marketing mindset. So um, <laughs> one of the things that we do on the channel, um, obviously for the barbell side, that's working out. But on burnout side, I go to meets. I go to shows. I go to uh, races that are at the track, races on the street. And this new thing that I started doing was I do mountain runs now. You like wait, like you run or you drive up the mountain? We race down the mountain. You ever seen Initial D, or more commonly known how they do it in Tokyo Drift? We do that. So we'll go to the mountains. Um, I've raced down mountains in Huntsville, raced down mountains in Georgia, um, raced down mountains. You, okay, when you say race down mountains, are you guys actually racing down the mountain, or are you just driving very fast down the mountain? No, we're actually like I have someone in front of me. I have to pass them by the time. Do you have a roll cage in your car? Yet. What kind of car do you have right now? So I drive a 2001 Honda S2000. It's the only rear-wheel drive car that Honda ever made. Okay, then it's a convertible, correct? Yes, sir. And you don't have a roll cage? Uh, roll cage is about $5,000 right now. Okay, so $5,000 of your life, that bitch starts flipping. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, I didn't say that, that mountain runs were safe, but like a roll cage. No one here is assuming that a fucking mountain run <laughs> is safe, okay? So for everybody who's listening, picture starting at the top of a mountain, right? I'm going to set a scene for you. Oh, God. You're at the top of a mountain, right? You're sitting on the hood of your car, and this guy pulls up. And, you know, you're like, oh, you're here, right? This is the guy that's just supposed to be racing down the mountain. So you start. What does the, the guy mountain. look like? The guy, the guy he um, has a bomber jacket on. He's a white male. His, <laughs> <laughs> his early 20s. Why does he got to be a white No, but what's even better is he has aviator shades on. That's how you know he's about his business. He oh has aviator God. shades on, and he has his uh, racing gloves so on. So Tom Cruise. Yes. Just basically describe Tom Top Cruise. Top gun Tom Cruise <laughs> with a car, all right? <laughs> so what happens is... You'll start out one person in front of the other if you're mm-hmm. doing a battle, and you'll go down the mountain. So the battle is won when either the person in front leaves the person behind or the pa- person behind overtakes the person in front. So how how long how, – okay, so it's not like a drag race. It's a quarter mile. No. How's, how do you determine – is there a length to the race or well, just whenever somebody wins? Sometimes it's um, in a certain – by a certain point in the mountain, you have to do it. Okay. Uh, you have to pass them by. But what we've been doing, what I've been doing, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know this mountain because it's a specific mountain we go up and down. Um, yes, please don't tell anybody about this mountain. Yeah. I, I don't need the legal ramifications. Yeah, I don't it's somewhere on the me. East Coast. Um, but, <laughs> like, we go down it, and I'm like, I don't know this mountain 100% as much as I um, – to, to feel comfortable enough to do it in a specific setting. Yeah. And it makes it more fun going the whole way. Mm-hmm. So we do by the by the end of the mountain. So do you guys go uphill, downhill, or just depending upon the race? They do. We I do do uphill and downhill, but my car... Um, so the S2000 is a two-liter engine. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who don't know, means it's a four-cylinder, mm-hmm. a two-liter engine. Uh, so there's four pistons in it. It's four less cylinders that God intended, but yes, yeah, continue. But so it's uh, the S2000 also only came with a six-speed transmission, so it's a manual. Mm-hmm. Um, the car is very, very light. So in car terms, I have a 2,800 car pound car mm-hmm. from the factory. So, but it also only has 204 or 240 horsepower. 
I thought the S two thousand. I thought wasn't that the wasn't that one of the years um, the times when Honda was putting V sixes in those cars? No, or they so, just strictly four cylinder. Four cylinder. So that was right at the tail end of like the JDM yeah. like dream fanboy time. So the JDM time is like beginning eighties, mid eighties to maybe about we'll say two thousand and nine when the S two thousand ended. But like the fan like favorite is nineties. Mm-hmm. So like the S two thousand caught the, caught the like last tail end of it. But the S2000 is known as like a, a legendary car because it's one of the few cars that can rev out to 9,000 RPMs. So there's some poor dude listening to this podcast with his girlfriend and she is just like, numbers, I don't understand. Fuck that. So normal cars um, will rev. Your car will probably shift with an automatic transmission. If you're in it hard at like 4,000. Mm-hmm. Most V8s, I think the red line starts somewhere around six and a half, seven. Mm-hmm. My red line, first off, Honda has this crazy thing called VTEC. So um, if you have a twin cam or single cam um, engine, what happens is there's two different sets of lobes on the camshaft, mm-hmm. which the camshaft is what's lifting the valves yeah. on the uh, in the head. So when the cam is spinning at low RPMs, yeah, I'm breaking it down teacher. <laughs> so when the cam is spinning in the RPMs, there's this solenoid or switch that leaves it at the low, the smaller lobe. So it's not pushing in as much power, not consuming as much oil. Mm-hmm. So when it crosses over this thing called VTEC crossover, um, the engine gets louder because it switches to the, the larger lobes, mm. which produces more power. Mm. So my VTEC crossover in the S2000 is somewhere around 6,000 RPMs. It's either 5,500 5, or 6,000 RPMs. Mm-hmm. So the S2000s, the early models, because there's two different branches, the AP1 versus the AP2. Okay. <clears throat> the AP1, it makes most of its power around, I want to say, 8,500 RPMs. That's okay. where its max power uh, Max power output. Yeah. Rev limiter is 9,000. No. The red line, I should say, is 9,000. Fuel cutoff is 9,200. Okay. 9,200, 9,400. So I pegged that mug <laughs> <laughs> at 9,000 every time I get a chance. And everybody's like, everybody's like Alex, you're going to blow your engine up. The car's made to do that, and it loves it. The car's made to blow its engine up, or just no, no, made no. to handle those revs. Handle those revs. Okay. And the only thing that people have an issue with mm-hmm. on those is um, on the AP1s. That's the AP1. I reference AP1. I'm talking about the 2000 to 2003 S2000s. Mm-hmm. AP2s are 2004 to 2009, and the only difference really is um, small body different suspension, but they also change the engine. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened was Americans complained. Because they're like, oh, we were used to our V8s and our torque yeah. and everything. Yeah. So what they Honda did was they took the 2.0, which is the F20C mm-hmm. engine in the AP1, and they made the F22C. So the the numbers and the letters, for those who don't know what it is, it's an F-series engine from Honda, and it's a 20C. So it's a 2.0C engine. Okay. So F22C is an F-series 2.2 liter C engine. Okay. All right? So the F22C... They lowered the rev line or red limiter to eight thousand and mm-hmm. gave it just a little bit more torque, same amount of horsepower. Oh, science! Yeah, fucking science, bro. I know what I'm talking about, dog. You know what You're I'm saying? deep in the murky water. Oh, man. those are my babies. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, what I'm trying to do with my F20C, mm-hmm. that what I was saying was the issue with the F20C that everybody knows, revving it up all the way like that. There's issues with these um, things called retainers. So the valve is being pushed up and down by the cam shaft spinning. Mm-hmm. And it's being lifted every time. 
and it rebounds onto it. The other side rebounds onto a spring. Yeah. And the spring pushes the valve back up in time. Mm-hmm. So what happens is those springs are held in place by this thing called a retainer. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those retainers, after like high RPMs, but the, the friction of the valve hitting the spring, those retainers start to crack. So once this retainer cracks, it's a wrap. It's called you're dropping a valve. So the valve doesn't rebound back. Okay. So the issue is with those high RPMs, the springs being hit by the valve so many times, the the valve doesn't have time to rebound back in time because the camshaft is spinning so fast. So that's mm-hmm. called valve float when the spring doesn't come back up in time. So what happens is people take the retainers on stock engines out of the AP2s because they're a little more sturdy mm-hmm. and they put them in the AP1s. Oh, to stop. Yeah, science. So is that what you're crack. trying to do? I might do that as well as, so the shape of a spring, if you take out your, if you're listening to this, take out a pen and see like the pen <laughs> spring in there. That's literally what it looks like, a pen spring, a thick pen spring. Yeah. That's kind of what the, the design that it is. Now there's these other types of springs called beehive springs, which are shaped like a beehive. Yeah. So I'll take this uh, cup, cup, this, we'll call it a shot glass almost. So That's a heavy shot. God yeah. damn. <laughs> it's a big boy shot, you know? <laughs> So, but if you take this and look at the bottom mm-hmm. and imagine the bottom was the same shape as the top, almost like an egg, mm-hmm. that's how the beehive springs look. Okay. So the benefit of beehive springs is they actually rebound faster and they can handle more pressure. So by switching over um, to v- beehive springs mm-hmm. instead of the regular single spring or double springs, you can actually gain safety of, well, you gain 5,000 to seven, no, sorry, 500 to 700 um, RPMs in the springs that it can handle. So it's like, I'm not necessarily trying to rev my car all the way up there because, yeah. you know, everything. Yeah. I just want the safety insurance of okay. knowing it's, I'm not going to have valve flow yeah. and issues like that with it. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> hey, bro. Bro. All right. So where, where did this like love of cars come from? Right. So like you have people when it comes to cars, I've noticed there are like layers to people, right? Yeah. So you have the I don't give a fuck as long as it gets me to point A to point B people, right? Yeah. Then you have the rich guys who buy like the Lambo and they saw like, oh, this was in a movie, it goes fast. Yeah. Someone please suck my dick. Then you have mm-hmm. like Mustang guys, <laughs> right? Well, now it's the new it's no, Dodge guys now. No, no, hear me out. Hear yeah. me out. <laughs> so Mustang guys are the guys who. Uh, don't know anything about cars, know nothing about cars, but they know if you buy a Mustang, you'll get laid, right? Then you have Mustang girls who promise their dad that they promise they play like, Dad, please give me this Mustang. I swear to God, I won't have any ethnic boys in it. It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. It's so true. Oh, no. Then you have like enthusiasts, right? Mm-hmm. So you have like, those are usually like your older dudes, like back in the 70s used to have some heavy shit, and now they have a family with a minivan. And then you have guys like you who actually want to play out fast in the furious movies oh, don't forget please don't forget the purists the purists are leave it stock the way they made it from the factory is no amazing. they don't see, okay so here those guys are that's like a whole uh, that's like how you have like christianity and then there's scientology <laughs> like they want to be a religion but no just fuck you get out of yeah, here with that You're exactly. not a religion. so those are those people we don't even throw them in the conversation exactly so where did this this like fascination with cars to the extent that you actually want to you well, not actually what you want to but you go out and you ra- race your car and you've actually started a whole brand for it well so basically it kind of came from as a kid um 
both my parents drove stick. Um, I'm West Indian, so my dad's Jamaican. My mom's Bermudian. Um, they both drove stick shift cars. My dad, when I was born, had a 90, no, he had an 89 Honda Accord. Was it Accord? It was an Accord. It was one of those, the, the box body yeah, the Accords is beige. Bro. And my mom had a 1995 Volvo 850. The most bulletproof car Bro. you've ever seen in your life. Like they literally go to junkyards, find them, and just start rolling them. And then once you pop the clutch, the car is fine. Those wow. cars are literally—they are tanks. They're—they were. I think, I think they were steel bodies still at that time. Mm-hmm. And you can literally run them into the wall, and just back away. That—that <laughs> that, that is something, bro. Germans, when it comes, to- that was Swedish. Really? Volvo was a Swedish company. It was bought out in 2004. Oh, I'm thinking of Volkswagen. You're absolutely right. Yeah, Volvo. Bro. Do they make Volvos anymore? They do, but it's Ford now. It's Ford. Ford absorbed them. Oh, so they just fucked up now. Yeah. But like the 80s, 90s, like early 2000s, like the up until 2003 ones, they're amazing. Amazing. This is our dog. She just comes in whatever the fuck she feels like. That's fine. That's fine. She's tremendous. She's yelling at me earlier. That's Mahalia. I'm Mahalia. Oh my god! But um, so yeah, my mom had a Volvo, '95 mm-hmm. Volvo. Um, and they were both stick shifts. So like, even as a kid, I remember um, there was one point in time because up until my parents were together until I was about twelve. Okay. So. There were times when I would like sit in my dad's lap as he's driving, and he'd be like, "Shift the gears for me," Science. while he's doing the clutch yeah. and everything. So I'm like, "Oh, sitting here." And then like sometimes I'm like, helping exactly, <laughs> but like as a kid, I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" So then sometimes I'd be waiting for him, um, and my brother would do this too. I have a, a brother who's six years younger than me. Mm-hmm. He would we would sit there in the car, wait for my dad in the the garage. Click. Bro, just yanking that bitch around. Destroying the train. Yanking that shit around. But see, what happened was my dad got rid of the Accord, and my mom gave him the Volvo, and my mom went and got a Honda Odyssey, because, you know, two kids and everything. You got to sacrifice your life. Exactly. So, But my dad kept the Volvo. So we were destroying that transmission. But the transmission, that car, (laughs) the the meter stopped at 260,000 miles. Mm -hmm. He drove it for 10 more years. That's a strong move. <laughs> that is a strong... Bro, they don't make cars like that anymore. Nah. Nah, man. Like, for real. Like, they used to be... Anything German would last forever, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, Jeeps would last literally forever. Yeah. The only thing on a Jeep you might have to replace is the transmission, right? Yeah. But fuck me. If it's going to last 30 years, go ahead. Exactly. Man, so, so when did you start... First off, what were the first cars you started, like... Finding yourself like attracted to, I've, I've realized like, so when it comes to cars, it's almost like Harry Potter with the sword and hat. Like, yeah, you're a Griffin, but you're like you're a Chevy guy, you're a Dodge guy. Like, mm-hmm. so as a kid, my dad was a huge Chevy guy, mm-hmm. huge Chevy guy. Yeah, right. Like he had an '89 like C10, Ooh. bro, and that he that thing lasted for like it's one of those things. You can put it on if you want. It doesn't really matter. It was one of those things where it was like me and like, it wasn't just me, right? It was like every dude in the family was like, one day, that will be mine. You know what I'm saying? Um, but he was a huge Chevy guy. And I remember we would go like, so my dad, he's also a mechanic. Mm-hmm. So um, people would bring my dad cars, right? And if he couldn't fix the car, if he didn't know what was going on, he would go to the library and we would be there for hours researching. 
So he'd pick up a book, and you know, you want to like help. So I'd pick up a car book too. Mm-hmm. And one time I picked up, it was like literally a book it was like this thick, and it was that's every, like three four inches thick for everybody. Yeah, it was science, and it was like. <laughs> Every muscle car from like 1950 to like 1984, wow. and they went by a year. And I just remember like seeing like the Thunderbirds. I was like, that was a sick design. The Mustangs, and then I saw like a Camaro, and I was like, that is a fucking spaceship. Yeah. And I needed to know everything about that thing. And then from there, you, you I like Camaros. I like Chargers. Mustangs just have like this timeless design. Like mm-hmm. that's one thing you can say about the Mustang design from like the first one to now, even that Fox body. Yeah. Like that's just been a timeless, interesting design. And then like you have your Jaguar, something like that. Like they're 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 literally works of art, right? And it's mm-hmm. one of those things that like as a kid, it's one it's like I tell my girlfriend now. There's no such thing as a grown man. Yeah. Right? Not at all. If I don't you know give who your lied if, you, you. if you give yeah. your little boy Hot Wheels mm-hmm. and he's vroom vrooming with them shits, do not be surprised when he's sixteen Working at McDonald's, trying to buy a hunk of shit and try and jump a bridge. You know what I'm saying? But see, that's the that's what happened to me. So like, literally, my mom bought me Hot Wheels and and like I still have my Hot Wheels at my mom's house. We bro, have did you have those um those Hot Wheels cases? Yeah, so they the, were the like blue one that opened up, bro, and it had individual yeah, slots. I have it. I still I was looking at it over Christmas. Like I went in there because I was like, hmm, I know I had to have at least had an S2000 at one point in time. Yeah. So I went in there. I have a a yellow S2000 Probably. that has a hard top on it with a wing on the back. And oh my so my S2000 is yellow. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying a hardtop because I don't, that's $4,000, but I want to put a wing on there. Don't put the wing on there. Oh, I have to. Okay, it's so not even, not even like a, a ricer quote unquote wing, yes. but I'm getting the wing specifically for downforce in the corners. How, okay. So there's my thing with that, right? Cause mm-hmm. I'm okay. So when it, I remember when the, the first Fast and the Furious came out, right? Mm-hmm. That was Furious. Because after that, I after that I started reading like Tuner magazines. Oh yeah. And my dad's just like, "We want to get a real car. Come on." No, he wasn't like that. <laughs> he was like Dominic Toretto. This is in the family. <laughs> right. So um, I re- I remember when those movies came out and everyone was it was trend like after that movie came out, Honda Civics became the most stolen car in America. Yeah. And I remember after that. Everyone was putting shitty decals in their cars oh, and throwing yes. wings on everything. Yeah. Everything the, got a wing. Don't forget the neon lights. Oh, my God. I had, I had some neon lights. I'm not going to lie. I like neon lights. They're a strong move. I do like neon lights. They're a strong move. Like, I'm not a ricer, but I think neon lights are very nice. Every, but they were putting wings on everything. And the whole point of a wing is, like you said, to create downforce. Mm-hmm. But it's like how, how, how much downforce are you really needing, right? So like an F1... Mm-hmm. Those cars, F1 and like GT cars, are designed for that. That's why yeah. it sits below the ground. So literally, those body kits that people put on to look cool—exactly that Aero. kit is there, so it sucks air under the car, mm-hmm. and as winds traveling over the top, it's pushing the car down. Exactly. So wouldn't you have to lower your car to get the get the any kind of benefit? So you're right. So um, my first, quote unquote, uh, I guess, thing that I I worked on this S2000 is I took the suspension. The original suspension from Honda mm-hmm. that they put on there was really good, yeah. really good suspension, but. Um, I had gone down the mountain one time and I felt too much body roll. And the thing was about that the day you spun out. Yes, it was a day. If you go on my, <laughs> if you guys go on my YouTube channel, I had a day spinning out, almost going over the side of the mountain. It was the, probably the scariest moment in my life. 
Bro, you, that's why I don't watch your YouTube channel anymore. After the seriously, thing. Wow, tell everybody you don't subscribe. Okay, I just thought that I don't subscribe. It's just like it's scared. Okay, so yeah, here's the thing. Every time you make a video and you do something wild, you don't let me have find it out on my own time. You send it to me. <laughs> so then I have to get worried. I'm like, oh my god, is he okay? Does, is his insurance company watching? <laughs> Should I tell him? Cause like you do things and it's like you you have a you have a future. You're a for Christ's sake. Yeah, but I'm I think I think the fun part about having the YouTube channel is the amount of people I'm able to affect with it mm -hmm. on a serious note. Like, for example, I had a student um, that was not coming to school. Mm -hmm. um, he was heavy into cars. He was acting out. Um, mm -hmm. He They thought he had a language barrier. Mm -hmm. He was a Latino kid. They thought he had a language barrier because he would never speak English to anybody and he just wouldn't pay attention. Mm -hmm. He came in my class. Um, and I was telling the kids, it so, just so happened, as an environmental science teacher, you got to teach them about air pollution. So I was like, we're going to learn about carburetors, oh we're going to learn God. about fuel injection, and <laughs> um, we're going to learn about um, catalytic converters. Yeah. And it's funny, because that's actually in the lesson plan. Yeah. I was like, this is made for me. Oh, yeah. Like, so I showed them a donut media video, and um, I was talking about my car, and he was like, what's your car? I was like, oh, baby, got you, yeah. right? So I told him about my car, and I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, I didn't. I don't usually tell. Like, there's a rule, actually, a law against you know, telling them. I don't usually tell the kids about my YouTube channel, but I have it on my 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 laptop. Yeah. So that like, if they're ever interested in seeing, they can go see it. Um, yeah. But I don't tell them, you know. But him, I was like, go look at this. I didn't tell you about it. And his attendance improved in my class. Science. He always would. He would skip everybody else's class, but come but to come my yours. class. And he, there was a point where he was actually doing his work in my class. Mm. Now he moved to Seattle, um, and I fell out of contact with him. But I know that I changed his yeah, you life. Got through to him. Yeah, because there was one point in time he was he was skipping my class too. After I told that, I pulled him aside. Mm -hmm. I pulled him outside. I was like, bro, because I had a, um, a co-teacher in that class. I was like, bro. You're going to sit here and play around. You're not going to pass high school. Mm. You're too smart for that. All these people in here think that you're not, like you don't, you can't speak English. You and I talk fine. You understand <laughs> everything. You can read. Because yeah. that was the biggest thing. They're like, he can't read. I was like, he reads in my class. Yeah. He's read to me. Yeah. You know? So I was like, you're going to sit here and let them do that. I was like, what are you going to do with your life? He's like, well, I want to, me and my brother are working on this Mustang. I was like, how are you going to pay for that Mustang? Facts. And he was like, well, you know, working. I was like, you're not going to get a high school education. Yeah. What job are you going to do to put a, to turbocharge this Mustang and pull nitrous out. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to be able to do that. You think nitrous grows on trees? No, you have to go buy that, you know? <laughs> and he was sitting there like, oh, wow. Yeah. I was like, yeah, so go to my class and don't skip it again. And I would be on his head Damn every it. time. And like the um, the ESL teacher and I have a good relationship. So yeah. I would call him and ask him. I was like, is so-and-so in class? Mm -hmm. And so has he made it to school today? And I would, they, he would ask me the same. I was like, he's not in my class. Call him. Mm. Like I had to go and grab him from the library one time, so. bro. But not to not to change the subject. No, you're fine. You still haven't gotten to the first. What was the first car? The oh, first man. car that you don't don't be embarrassed. So no one's gonna judge you. Well, out loud. That's an interesting question. So to explain that, I had to tell the backstories of life. So like I said before, is there a girl involved? I feel like there's a girl involved. Later on. <laughs> yes, there's a girl involved. Later on. <laughs> of course, there's a girl involved. That's funny. So, um, the first, like the first uh, instance of racing I ever saw was NASCAR. I was a very big fan of Jeff Gordon. Still am. I love Jeff Gordon. Was it, was it in the Tide car? DuPont. DuPont. Bill Elliott, I think had the Tide car. 
All I remember, all I was remember it Rusty about, Wallace? One of them. All I remember about NASCAR was a tied car. Yeah. That was a bitching car. It was. But the DuPont car kind of looked like that. Okay. Yeah. So um, he was my biggest fan. I've been to like three or four NASCAR races. I loved Jeff Gordon as a kid. Um, so when I was buying the Hot Wheels cars, I bought a lot of uh, NASCARs. Mm-hmm. So I think when I was a kid, I fell in love with the Corvette. Mm. The Corvettes. This is, so I was born in 94. So the Corvette that I kind of started to like as a kid mm-hmm. was the C5. Mm. Bro, in 2006 or 2007, when they dropped that C6 Corvette, the C6 Corvette to me, to this day, is one of the most beautiful cars <laughs> has ever been made. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you supercharge it, I've done reviews on my channel because I do reviews on my channel as well. I did a review on a 763 horsepower yeah. one. In the video, he says 660. Um, crank, but it's actually 763 to the wheel. We talked about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. I guess I let out his secret because he's got rid of the car. So um, that car, the best sound on it ever. The supercharger is um, belt driven, mm-hmm. but it's spooled. The the type of supercharger he had on there is a centrifugal or centrifugal. I forgot how to say it. Centrifugal. I think you said it right. Centrifugal. Yeah, centrifugal supercharger. Yeah. So it spools up just like a turbocharger, and it releases the boost like a turbocharger. And it is the sexiest sound hearing a V8 scream <laughs> and hear whoop, whoop. It literally sounds like that. Yeah. You know? So I, that as a kid was one of my favorite cars. And then I fell in love with the Mustang. It's fair enough. Everyone. Yeah. I had, I'm not going to lie. Like, every, like I said, like the Mustang has a timeless design. Like as a kid, I fell into that too. Like, like that's the Mustang. Mm-hmm. If you want to get laid, that's what you buy. Mm-hmm. But then I started like talking to other people who liked Mustangs. And I was like, oh, you guys don't know shit about cars. Oh, yeah. Mustang people are terrible people. Like, yeah, like my brother, <laughs> so my brother's a Mustang guy, right? And I remember when he bought his, I was like, did you get a V8? He's like, no, nah, I got the V6. I don't need anymore. It's like, look, Jesus died <laughs> on a cross for your sins and so that you can live life more abundantly. When you go to McDonald's, you supersize. When you buy the Mustang, you get the V8. It's so, a given. <laughs> what, the first day, God created light and darkness, right? And the second day was what? He created the... What did he do on the second day? The, the sixth day, he created man. The seventh day, he rested. The eighth day, he created the Mustang. The oh, ninth sure. day, he created the S2000. Sarichiro um, Honda to create the, the S2000. Oh, you know what I'm saying? But, like, literally, I fell in love with the Mustang. Um, it's funny that you say the V6 because you know... My first stick shift car was a 2003 V6 Mustang. Um, it was five speed. I was that tore the blue that, one? That was the blue That one. fucker was always in the shop. <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't the shop. No, it was no. always beat the fuck up. <laughs> no, okay, so I remember when you first got it, mm-hmm. and it was like this thing. It's like, is it ready? It's in the shop. Is it ready? It's in the shop. Oh, yeah, is yeah, it yeah, ready? yeah, it's yeah, in the yeah, shop. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was ready. A week later, where is it at? I, uh... I was drifting and shit. <laughs> I hit a pole. I hit a pole. Now it's in the shop. Yeah. So that's, that car had a crazy story. Um, so like literally for that car, I was working at Dunkin' Donuts in New Jersey um, where I lived. I was working in the morning there and I was washing cars and detailing mm-hmm. cars later on. I got fired detailing cars Whoops. because like it was crazy <laughs> because like I had originally wanted a Maxima because my buddy had a 96 uh, turbocharged Maxima. He's making like 400 to the wheel. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah. So the guy I was working under detailing cars at um, Avis mm-hmm. in Parsippany, New Jersey, um, <laughs> he had a 93 Fox Body Cobra. Making okay. eight hundred to the wheels. Now that's the, that's okay. When it comes to Mustangs, mm-hmm. I know I'm in the minority here. I'm I'm okay with that. 
the Fox body, in my opinion, is the best Mustang ever. I can somewhat understand that point. Period. I am very partial to the 2011 to 2014, as well as the 2003 Terminator Cobra. Um, see, okay, so here's my thing mm-hmm. with the Fox body. Here's why I love it. So the Fox body came about because America was going through like that whole oil embargo. Yep. Yep. So they had to. So companies had to make. That's basically the death of the muscle car. Mm-hmm. So and then the you get into the semantics of it. The Mustang isn't a muscle car; it's a pony car, whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. So they had to make a smaller car, but still keep the performance and make it fun. So they took a page out of like what um, Japanese manufacturers are doing, and they were like, "What if we take a small light car and we put an engine with just enough horsepower to kill you, <laughs> <laughs> just to go fast, just enough horsepower See what to happens. kill you, bro? I love it. I love how small. It's one of those things where it, like." If I couldn't, if I had to like drop a race car, I'd probably come up with something either like the Mach Five or the fucking the Fox Body, bro. You throw like here's mm-hmm. the thing, you don't need to put a big V8 in there, bro. You throw like a 308, a 305, turbocharge that bitch, paint it black, turn your headlights off, you can do whatever you so want. So I think that actually is the lightest body. Yeah. Um, and what people do, like you said, it was, I came with a 302. That's where the 302 Mustang. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, everybody calls it a 5.0. Ford does not make a 5.0 liter engine. No, they do not. It's a 4.93, 4.94-ish, the and they round it up. Who gives a fuck? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how Dodge. So the Hemi, Dodge doesn't make, Dodge hasn't made real Hemi. Since like the 60s. Since the 60s, right? But it's just a name. Mm-hmm. That's once again, why I don't like Mustang people, because then they'll be like, I got the 5.0 out there. Then you get to the semantics, oh, I'll read that shit. I got it. It's a 4.7. <laughs> yeah, but that most, my, my then again, in the, the Mustangs that came on the 90s too, because remember they went to those chain engines that were coming out of the Crown Vicks and the Lincoln? Yes, the 4.6, the two valves, and the four valves. That was an L. You know, yeah. Why would you put a chain engine in there? Well, you know, funny enough, the S2000 is a timing chain. So what is it going to do in the shop? <laughs> <laughs> well, so the thing about the S2000 is mm-hmm. you just got to change the TCT, the timing, change tension, cha- timing chain tensioner, mm-hmm. and make sure it's good. Like the stock ones can go at any time. Is it a, is it a cash or a check? I think it's going or is it to direct, be. Or is it direct deposit? It's direct deposit. So Honda pays you direct deposit to talk about the S2000? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's direct deposit. Honda, if you hear this, sponsor me. Yeah. But the Corvettes also, so you know what's interesting about the Corvettes? Every Corvette ever made has been made out of fiberglass. Mm-hmm. And that's so that everything underneath it will rust, but the body will be preserved so you can basically just keep driving the bitch to the end of the time. Yeah. I think the prettiest one I've ever seen, my dad's favorite, is a 63 Stingray. Oh, now, you know what's crazy about that? So back in the day, because it had that split window, mm-hmm. people didn't like that because it was the only year that had that. So they went in and they cut it out and they made it a unilindow. So if you ever find a, a split window, 1963 Corvette, your kids will never have to worry about money again. Yeah. Yeah. Science. Yeah. <laughs> my, um, I was going to say my roommate, my, my neighbor growing up as a kid, another story that I kind of actually brought full circle for just on my my... my journey mm-hmm. of being becoming a, the car person i am today um my neighbor had a has a 69 camaro um it has a 355 in it mm-hmm. he has 15 inch uh drag slicks on the rear and it has a muncie uh four speed uh m20 muncie m21 in it manual mm-hmm. transmission um the car he lives say 600 feet from my house. 
he has his own garage for it. It's wooden floor. Science. And when he starts that thing, so his house is facing the mountain. Uh-huh. Man, he starts that thing. Oh, you hear this. Then you know how to do that. Man, that was accurate. Yeah, it's so it's so beautiful. Like, and when I started my channel, he and he allowed me to do a review with him. Mm -hmm. So we did a whole review on his car. Mm -hmm. Um, and I told him I had never spoken to him about the car like that, but I had always told him I love the car. That car literally was one of the big reasons why I fell in love with cars because I would just hear him go down the road, and it was just amazing to me. There's there is something about that, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. There's something about that sound yeah. of a motor, right? Yeah. And like we all have our preferences, right? But that whether you prefer like the high whine of like the the Ferraris and stuff that you hear that and you're just like, oh man, that's a thoroughbred racehorse. So that dirty, dirty, dirtiness, deep, deep throated guttural, bro, roar fucking yeah. yeah, right. There's something about that sound, but I feel like especially with like the rise of like electric cars, mm -hmm. right? Because here's the thing about electric cars, right? You don't get that sound. But the power is instant. Man, I used to hate Teslas so much because, <laughs> and I still kind of hate them right now because I can't hear the sound. Yes. But man, I so in Huntsville, um, Oakwood, right around the corner, there's an importing service, mm -hmm. KR, KR Imports. Yeah. And they import cars. And one of the guys has a Tesla. I think it was a P whatever. Mm -hmm. He put that a thing, P he put it in ludicrous mode. It was me. Another two other guys who were around 250 pounds and another guy who was maybe say 160. When I tell you that torque was instant, yes, it was insane. And like I was randomly, it's crazy. Yesterday I was on Instagram, and I was like scrolling through. This dude was out here, not him, but a different guy in like California, sitting up here drifting a Prius, like yeah. like full on like yeah, a Formula D e braking drifting the Prius. I'm like how, <laughs> you know? But like I, I, well, there's one thing that I need is the sound of that motor running up, like. The sound. I, the reason, another reason why I like the Corvettes is, even if it's the same engine, because they put the same engine in the Camaros. Yes. Just the sound of the exhaust mm -hmm. coming out of the cor the Corvette, even if it's the same exhaust, it sounds different for some reason, and it sounds so much better. I don't like how Camaros sound, mm -hmm. but I love that sound of a Corvette. Bro, it's just Do pure think, sex to me. Okay, so you know, like you know how like I feel like we've just been as humans, we've been just like this is what a car sounded like for all this time. And now, like, for the first time, really ever, electric cars have become a viable option, mm -hmm. right? Do you think that subsequent generations from now are going to look at us like, like, you know how, like, when guys have, like, really loud motorcycles and you're just like, oh, that guy's a dick. Do you think they're going to look at us and just be like, why is your car so loud? I think that's how people have looked at car people in general. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think so, yes. But, like... The thing is, I'm not. I don't make my exhaust loud for but you. But here's the thing: you're not. Right. Your exhaust isn't going to be loud, but it's going to be louder than nothing, yeah. right? So your kids gonna be like, "Dad, why are you messing with that dirty diesel engine? Why are you messing with that dirty motor with its explosions in there? Why don't you just get this battery and you just charge it and you drive? And it's quiet. And you like, because son, because <laughs> it sounds like sex, like the sex me and your mother had to make you. Now shut the fuck up and let me drive. You are your mother's child. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> bro. It's it's it's, fucking, it's weird, man. You know, okay, so apparently, so Tesla doesn't, they, if you ever notice, Tesla doesn't have commercials or anything, right? No. So what you can do is you can go to any Tesla dealership and be like, hey, let me test drive that. And they go, here's a way of having it back in 24 hours. And you can basically drive a Tesla. 
I saw a couple of guys did that at school for a music video, and I mean they're gorgeous cars. Don't tell me because I'll do a whole video review. You this. should. I'm. I'm giving. I'm st- do it. Okay. If you need help, let me. We'll put it together. I'm so serious. Okay. But what about next week? What's up? <laughs> let me. Um. Maybe the end of the month. Okay. So the reason I'm going to do that is because I got some personal stuff I got to handle first. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But um, the, I don't know. You look at a Tesla, and like when you think of like a future car. You would probably come out to something like a Tesla, like the new, uh, what's the BMW i8? i8, yes. Those are some slick-looking whips, yeah. but they don't make any sound. And I'm kind of wondering, is that going to go, like, is the 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 love of the sound of cars going to go away? Or is it just going to be artificial? So I think to think about that is really interesting based off of, I'm like, so my profession is environmental. So my title is, I'm a ninth, 10th grade, and 11th grade, no, 10th grade and 11th grade environmental science teacher. Yes. So that conversation is kind of tied into what I, I, I teach the kids about. And I had to do a whole research thing on them to explain that because we were talking about alternative fuels. Mm-hmm. So the interesting thing is, if you have an electric car, right? Mm-hmm. Are you actually saving the environment? Okay. Now, see, that's a brilliant point. So I remember, okay, so... After college, I took, a, I took a year off of school to figure out if I really wanted to go to grad school and what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I decided, now obviously Atlanta is where I wanted to be, so the next step was to buy a car. So the first thing I did was I thought with my dick, and he was like, hey, buy the fastest Corvette, you know, buy the fastest camera you can. I was like, brilliant. <laughs> but then I was like, wait, wait, wait. You're going to film school. You can't fit film equipment into your Camaro without scratching it and, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that. And it's like, it would really, it would. Should have just got a Chevy SS. See, bro, chill out. <laughs> so then it became about enjoyment, right? Mm-hmm. Is my enjoyment going to match my practicality, right? And then I was like, I don't, it was just logistics and moving. So then I looked into the Prius, right? Oh, God. So, no, so here's my thing. I would only have to fill up like once a year, which is fantastic. Um, and then I could walk around and be smug. Because at the time I was listening to NPR, so I could just walk around with like a fucking oh, black beret and a thing. And I could walk up and be like... I don't think the socioeconomics of your coffee are very sustainable. I'm going to judge you, right? Yeah. So then I started looking into them, right? So you could get, like, I was like, why are Priuses three and $4,000 just came out four or five years ago? That doesn't make sense. Cars don't drop in value like that. So the Prius battery, the one, the, the big one, yeah. the lithium-ion battery, is only rated for five to ten years max. Yeah. With the average lifespan of it being between five, between I think it was four and six. And when it goes, it literally costs five thousand dollars to replace it, and the battery itself isn't biodegradable. So they literally just have well, landfills full of useless lithium ion batteries. So then like you're just a smug dickhead, but your car's not as your car's literally worse for the environment. Exactly. Right? But, at, but then like, you see, like, I think Tesla's fucking nailed it, man. Like, <laughs> I, I, and then it's like, then, like, I haven't really done, like, research into, like, because we, like, no one's owned a Tesla for, like, 10 years. So we don't know, like, the ramifications of the batteries and stuff and that. But it feels like, especially, like, in, like, it, it kind of feels like we're pushing towards a world where they're going to be, like, so Atlanta has, like, emission standards. Certain counties. Certain counties, yeah. yeah. And then, obviously, California, like, your bigger cities. So what happens when... It's, it's, what's, what am I saying? When, what happens when, I feel like they're going to start passing laws where it's like, hey, you can't have a gasoline motor or they're going to start taxing extra mm-hmm. 
because we just have all these extra resources. So pretty soon, like they're gonna make cars that run on water, cars that run on hope, cars that run on <laughs> the Obama. You got the Obama. The Obama mobile runs, runs exclusively on hope. So if you wake up and you're sad, you know what I'm saying. But I feel like they're gonna have just all these available technologies that's yeah. gonna be like, is it worth keeping these gas motors around? Because like, look what happened. Or it could be the way of the horse, right? So when the car came out, it was actually great for horses, right? So back in the day, like, if you're riding through the city and your horse breaks a leg, you're like, ah, oh, damn it, sorry, honey, bang, and you shoot her, and you just leave her there. That was, <laughs> <laughs> like, for real. Like, people, people used to just shoot them. We have horse meat now. It's Bro, like, yeah, like, people used to just shoot the horses. So now, like, horses haven't gone away, but they become kind of a niche thing. Is that going to be what happens to gasoline cars? It's- I think so. They were talking about in the Democratic um the the primaries about i think elizabeth warren made a statement that there there's a law being passed that they're trying to have all uh cars being sold in the u.s no more gasoline cars will be sold in the u.s by 2030 yeah that's because uh, i know california was thinking about doing something like that in california that's a there that but the interesting thing is you're not actually changing the amount of emissions you put out yeah because to for that car to run it runs off of electricity. Electricity, 70%, it's either 70 or 80% of the electricity in America comes from coal being burned. Yes. All right? So, okay, I'm putting out that much. I just won't drive as much. Mm-hmm. No, your car needs to be charged, right? Yeah. So they're putting up all these charging stations. Now, interesting thing, we have these other types of cars that run on flex fuel, mm-hmm. E85, ethanol, all right? So the reason why it's called E85 is because it's 85% ethanol, 15% gasoline. Yeah. So you have E40, which is 40% ethanol, 60% gasoline, or things right like that. the West Coast. Exactly. You know, <laughs> E40, right? So I actually prefer E85 because E85 comes from um, corn. It's yeah. called corn fuel. So they take the corn. Um, for let it ferment and sweeten, like press it down, let it ferment, mm-hmm. and it becomes ethanol, alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. So, car guys love E85 because you can actually take a, a gasoline engine, change the fuel lines, make them braided, means meaning they have to be um, rubber coated with steel mm-hmm. wire so that the E85 doesn't eat through because ethanol is a little more acidic yeah. and um, Very caustic. Very corrosive. Yeah, more than gasoline. So, and then you get a tune and a new fuel fuel injectors, new fuel pump, and you're good to go. Yeah. And you're making a little bit more horsepower because ethanol um, is a little bit more reactive than gasoline. Mm-hmm. So, car guys love it for that. It lowers your, your miles per gallon a little bit, but E85 is much more um, economic friendly because it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. And what they did was... They said when they, they started putting out cars, the E85, they're like, oh, we're going to use corn. What they did was they took food um, supplies and repurposed it. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, if you plant more and more um, fields of corn, not only is that changing the type of emissions that you have mm-hmm. and kind of making better emissions, uh, less coal-based emissions, you're also planting more plants to absorb more carbon from the atmosphere, mm. therefore lowering the um, carbon buildup in the atmosphere, therefore lowering the temperature mm-hmm. in the earth. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. If you keep planting the same plants in the same fields... I got you. Oh, shit. You thought of this. <laughs> no, I'm an environmental <laughs> science teacher. What you're talking about is a monoculture, okay? Okay. So a monoculture is actually very bad 
for areas yes. because what you're doing, plants drain different types of nutrients, different plants drain yeah. different nutrients. So what happens with monocultures, and this actually is already happening because of the food sources and the way that we're making food, plant-based food here in the world, mm-hmm. it drains specific nutrients and that field becomes unusable. Yes. So what That's you how do, the Dust Bowl happened. <laughs> exactly. And then you have another issue with monocultures is if you're planting one kind of plant, disease yes. is rampant. That's where we had our potato famine in Ireland and the corn famine mm-hmm. that was going on back in the 60s in mm-hmm. America. And now, right now, there's actually a famine starting with bananas because there is a blue disease going around in bananas. Not the bananas. The yellow bananas that you see. In Motherfucker, goddamn Chiquita, you need to figure this out. Exactly. Holy shit, are you serious? God damn it. Yeah, no. bro. 2020. Yeah, bro. This is, that's been going on since 2019, but nobody's talking about it. Wow. So... The interesting thing about it, and that's also the potatoes were going bad up in in Iowa, but then the quarantine happened, so we had a surplus when we were yeah. about to have run out of. So food. Well, hold up, so this banana, what is, how what is this banana thing going on? What's what, what, what's going on with that? Where- so it starts, and I think most bananas are grown. I want to say Brazil and the West Indies area, like yeah. South America and yeah, the West yeah. Indies. So there's a disease going around and it's destroying bananas. And like, if it destroys one part of the crop, you have to throw out all the crop because there's a chance that it got to everything. Oh fuck. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like it's like the disease is bad for humans. It's just, yeah, just fucking banana. Exactly. So at work at worst, you know, if I don't know if there's any medicines based off bananas, but you know, it'd be a minor inconvenience. Yeah. You won't see bananas like that, but it's worth noting because certain like, you know, plants that we grow, can be affected by monocultures. Yes. So if we can make ethanol, I don't think, I don't know if it's the same. You can make ethanol from, I don't think ethanol comes from rice and things like that. Is it? Um, I'm not Well, I think sure. um, you can make it from any t- any kind of grain, right? Okay. So then you have to make a polyculture. Just make a, have yeah. a polyculture, which means you have different types of plants on that field. You know what's wild? Mm-hmm. You can just take straight up Everclear and put it in your ethanol car and that bitch will go. The crazy thing is, there was a car in Mexico back in the 50s that ran off of tequila. That's Bro, first off, have you ever taken just a straight up big shot of Everclear? Yes. That's I've taken a, three and I died. In a row? Three. And oh man, it was the you, summer of 2015 right after we crossed. Who, who are you trying to, what, what are you trying it to was, prove? <laughs> so that was back when I was an alcoholic and it was not fun. It was, but this is around the same time I would take like, I would take Jose Cuervo Silver. Mm-hmm. Uh, take put three shots of that and Jack Daniels three shots of that put that in the same cup and take shot take that as a shot. Fuck you! What the f- yeah, bro. bro. So I remember. Um, I don't think I told you this story. It's alumni weekend, right? <laughs> I already know it's bad. Alumni it weekend. Alumni weekend. I think I told this last podcast, but fuck it, y'all don't hear it again. I hadn't eaten all day. No, I oh, hadn't eaten dinner. Shit. I, so I had lunch. <laughs> it was a Saturday, right? So you know the cafe opens after church. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't, I didn't go to the market to eat anything. And my brother was like, just come over. We gonna have a party. I walk in Mm-mm. and he was like, he was like, oh man, it was maybe to hear of Everclear. So the, the second run on, a, on, a, on, on like a water, water bottle. bottle. Yeah. And he goes, anybody just want to kill this? And <laughs> said, like, fuck it. When you're 20 years, when you're, I don't think, think I was 20, I was like 19. You're like, fuck it. We got to push the limit, son. I took it and I just smashed it. Oh no, baby. <laughs> I couldn't, I drank it, it hit my esophagus, and my brain went, you have fucked up. <laughs> yeah. We're going home. You're on your own tonight. And my face went numb. I sat down, I'm like, I'm going to die. Yeah, Everclear. Ooh. So then I just started mixing, like, 
um, Bailey's Bay Rum. Oh no! You vodka missed- and I just started making shit and I just started throwing it back. And by midnight, I hadn't eaten anything, so I was drunk. Yeah. And my and they go, uh, we're gonna go to IHOP. I'm like, but I'm gonna sit down real quick. I died on the couch. I remember waking up at four in the morning. It's the first hangover I ever had. Oh man! And I all that alcohol I gave. I I basically threw up all the alcohol by like six. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the day, I don't even know what I was throwing up. It was probably water. Yeah. So about like six in the evening, I thought I was good. I had them drop me off at campus, and I went to the calf. And this back when Miss Cartwright was working in there. Oh, baby, hey, baby. Bro, so I swiped the car. She's like, you know, look good. And I'm like, I'm okay. I get my food. I set it down. I go to get some Sprite, and I'm walking back to the table, right? And my my my, my body came back online. It's like, look, I hate to do this to you. <laughs> But we found some stuff we got to get rid of. <laughs> some more. And we got to do it right now. And I was like, let me get to the table. I can't do that. <laughs> and I started moving quick. I'm like, please. And then it's just blah, right in the middle of the cab. And I'm like, Miss Carr was like, are you okay? I was like, it's a stomach flu. And then in the back of the cab, I heard, man, that nigga went hard as <laughs> That sounds like some stuff in a cab, bro. But yeah, dude, that's... <laughs> Yeah, man, I, I, I often wonder about that, man, because I know California is wanting to push towards that. And it, it's kind of a loaded question, right? Because when it comes to, like, um, global warming and stuff, like, I, I think it's it's a it's a dual-edged sword, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's obvious that it's happening. Yeah. Right? So you can't deny that it isn't happening. Oh, I know a lot of people that try to deny it. And, yes. and, right, and those people are interesting. Because, like, well, I find it interesting about Republicans or, like, people on the right that try to deny it. What they're really saying is, I don't want to pay for that. Yeah, that's what comes to everything. Right. Just, that, social justice, uh, wars, everything. Yeah, they, what they're really saying is, we don't want to pay for that. Which, okay, just say that. Don't deny it outright. But on the left, you have that it's happening and we have to take drastic measures to try and stop it. Right? And I think there's a bit of hubris in both sides. Um, I think it's incredibly unwise to be ignorant and deny that it's happening. But I also think it's a little weird to think we can change it. Right? So... America, if we tomorrow decided to be one big, like, Copenhagen, right? Everyone turn your cars, get your bikes, you know. We're biking everywhere, you know, no more cars. We're going to lower emissions. It would start our civil war. <laughs> oh, straight up. You're not taking my shit. You need a dick on that one. Yeah. Um, but, like, we could put a dent in it. But then you look at all the emissions and shit coming out of China, which is one of the biggest polluters in the world. China and India. Exactly. Those are, like, two of the biggest polluters in the world. And it's like... You know, we got to talk to they, they. It really comes down to they have to get on board, too. Yeah. But the reality is for them to get on board, your iPhone's going to cost more. And people are like, I do want that 12. Yeah. And so that's the, that's the interesting thing as an environmental science teacher, kind of um, get kids to care about it. Because most of the things about in science, first off, as a high school student, when I see science, I really didn't care as much anyway. Dude, okay. That's, right? a, that's a weird thing, right? So <laughs> when I remember being in high school, right? You're, you're trying to you're trying to lift weights, you're trying to drive mm-hmm. fast, and you're trying to get laid. Everything else is just in, 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 just wow, in, in between, gotta, right? I never left high school, then. right? <laughs> so like trying to get them, and then mm-hmm. on top of that, you really don't have like any barometer. Like you really can't judge time. Yeah. Because at 16, you have no idea what 10 years is. Because 10 years from that, you were six. Yeah. Right now, when you're 26, you're like, "Fuck, I was an idiot when I was 16." Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's. That's kind of hard. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 shout out to you. But so the fun part is, so they're all like keyed in on social media because you know this this generation is really so much a uh, yeah. social media generation. So um, 
I'm very big on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. I, I dabble on Facebook just to yell. I at, dabble. At, <laughs> I, I yell at racist people and um and right wing people. And I bro, I, I just go to Facebook and I watch the train wreck. It's, oh, it's it, so fun. It's fun to watch the oh. dumb. I don't, I don't, I don't get involved because I don't have, I, I don't have the time. Oh, I had I t- every time I tell them I today I got time. I, I don't have the time. I just I literally just want to drive by the dumpster and look. It's still on fire. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't I don't I don't engage. I just look and I go. This is this yeah. is interesting. Yeah, but like with the kids, so I'm te- keyed in a little bit, and so they'll come to me and be like, Mr. Rose, did you see this? I'm like, especially when Australia was on fire. Yeah, it feels like that was years ago, but that yeah. was January. That's six months ago, mm-hmm. right? So we would spit. spit sit and talk specifically during class about things that are going on around them. And it was great because this is stuff that they can go and see at home. And they're like, well, this doesn't affect mm-hmm. me here. I was like, contraire, you know? Yeah. And I showed, so what we did was when we talk about air pollution, I showed them a video um, of this city out in China. And it's so bad because they're right by a nuclear plant mm-hmm. and it is cloudy every day because of the emissions and the, yeah, the those pollution. aren't clouds baby those are that's that's that straight up emission. that's smog yeah the smog is yeah, so it's emission cloud you know what i'm saying straight so up. <laughs> so they're like wow well that doesn't happen here i was like really let's go look outside real quick yeah and i'm i asked them i remember in class i was like how many of you have flown into hartsfield jackson you know they're like well i have i've you know some i was like what do you see when you fly over hartsfield jackson like well i see you know the neighborhoods things like that i was like what's out there a few miles out Somebody was like, there's a nuclear plant out there. And I was like, oh, what do you think the nuclear plant is doing to you? And that's where I kind of got into them to relate it to them because I realized that um, economic racism mm-hmm. and environmental racism, racism, I don't know if that's a term, but like, we're gonna, I think, it's, you know what I'm saying? Those all go hand in hand because if you notice in Atlanta, Hartsfield-Jackson is in around mostly the poor communities. Mm -hmm. The amount of radiation, amount of smog and pollution that those communities are receiving simply because of that, and not only just air pollution, water pollution because it gets into the ground, Mm -hmm. and land pollution that gets into the area, and also because the nuclear power plants are in the area, the radiation that they're getting is much, much higher than someone who lives out in, say, uh, Vinings, Smyrna, uh, Mm -hmm. Stone Mountain. And things like that, you know. Yeah. So, the classism, elitism, mm-hmm. uh, all that is all factored in. So I try to explain to them, you know, like your water, like you, your water is trash. You know, like your water is not as good mm-hmm. where you live simply because of things that are in the area. So we went through the um, actual, the actual section mm-hmm. that they're supposed to go through um, that the state of Georgia gives us gives us to teach them. It touches a lot on that. So the first three things that they're supposed to learn about is air pollution. Well, it starts off land pollution, water pollution, then air pollution. Mm-hmm. And those were some of the biggest things that we talked about and they understood. It was very, very good. Bro, have you? I, wa- I remember watching this one documentary. I think it was um, What the Health. Yes. Vegan. Now, yes. some of the things they said in that, complete horseshit. Mm-hmm. Okay? But I remember when they were talking about like the Tyson Farms. Yeah. And how like basically pig and chicken shit is running off into water and it's literally affecting the communities there. Yeah. And then I, I think, so nuclear power plants, I remember in the 50s, I remember in the 50s like I'm that fucking old. Mm-hmm. So in the 50s, that was supposed to be the new thing and then they had that meltdown in Chernobyl and they kind of backed mm-hmm. away from it. And I, I, I've only seen two nuclear power plants in my life. And there's like this feeling you see when you fly over them and it's like, when it works, it's good. But when it goes up, it's too 
<laughs> Did you see the HBO special on Chernobyl? I don't want to watch it. Oh, it's the I don't best wanna... thing to Here's watch. Here's my thing. There's already too much going on in the world. I don't need to know more bad. I, I literally, my days, I try to fill with as much positivity mm-hmm. as I can. Right? Because it's, just, it's literally, there's, there's like, I'm not trying to ignore the negative. Yeah. But I feel like, like, I feel like that's a problem. Too much about, negative at one exactly. time is bad for you mentally. Yeah. That's why I don't like, when I, like I say, when I go on Facebook and I see people, like, I just watch the fire. Because what you're seeing is, I think you see a lot of people who get locked into just looking for the bad and just looking to argue. I mean, I do that. I do look to argue sometimes. Yes, like I, I feel like when your mindset is you're looking for an argument and you're locked into arguing. One, you believe that your position is in is, is right, hundred yeah. percent, and two, you believe that you have to proselytize and change someone who also has that same "I'm right" idea ideology. Mm-hmm. So what happens? You two just go on the internet and start throwing shit at each other, right? And mm-hmm. then eventually it becomes a dunking contest, which. Not gonna lie. You can't argue with facts. <laughs> exactly, right? Which not gonna lie, it's fun to read, but I think that's kinda that's a terrible way to exchange ideas and then like that's never how we've exchanged ideas before. Yeah. Because the one thing you take out of that is this. Me and you talking right now. Mm-hmm. You will say the shit you'll say to somebody online. Oh yeah. You would more than likely never say in real fucking life. hundred percent. One, because you might get your ass kicked, and two, it's unbelievably rude. Yeah. And that's why um so I agree with that. And a lot of the things that I say when I'm arguing, I try to make it a more intellectual mm-hmm. argument. Not to say like a discussion mm-hmm. or a debate so that you can avoid things like that because you don't want it to evolve. I'll come down and whoop your ass. Yeah. Like, What's your location? It's hilarious. You know, like I've done that. I've been <laughs> in those situations. Well, keep it real though. You know, but like, um, but like in my discussions that I have, I've actually found that I have people that are like, I didn't know that. That's what you're going through. And especially with what's going on now in the world with all the, uh, the social justice, the Black Lives Matter, things that are going on. I'm a vocal person. Mm-hmm. I I can't not be vocal. Yes. So you're going to hear me when I speak, mm-hmm. you know? And um, living out like I did in rural Alabama, you can call it Huntsville rural. That's, that's, yeah, that's country. Rural. You know what I'm saying? It's country. So like living out there and all the Huntsville being the center for car activities legal and illegal everybody from southern tennessee um northern alabama area drives to huntsville Mm -hmm. so i meet people from all walks of life like i have friends who are millionaires friends who are dirt poor you know Mm -hmm. i have friends that are conservative i have friends that are i don't want no i don't hippies uh, i have hippies i was thinking about i was gonna say racist but i was like i don't really have friends that are racist i think everyone's racist yeah, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, you're not hanging on Klansmen, but you. Yeah, I don't. I, I think don't, everyone don't has care. their biases. Yeah, but like I have people who who are ignorant. I know people who are. Ignorant, oh, everyone knows ignorant. You know, so but what I've been doing recently, especially with because like I said, I'm I'm vocal about social justice. Like mm-hmm. my life matters just as much as yours. Mm-hmm. And if you can't see that, you are gonna get run over or get out the way. <laughs> like is that like that doesn't make sense. Like like to me like the, in those arguments, they're like oh. He should have done this. I was like, that's crazy. But look what ha- what's going on. What's been going on. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You can't sit here and tell me that this isn't going on mm-hmm. when a whole race of people or multiple races of people mm-hmm. are saying that this happens. And even people in your group, mm-hmm. so to speak, or in your demographic, understand that it happens. Right. You know? So here's, as I've gotten older, right, the more, the one thing I've realized, especially when it comes to like issues of racial equality and justice and things of those natures, um, is racism is one of those things that it has to be experienced to be understood, mm-hmm. right? 
So the example I can give you is this. Um, imagine you're married to your wife, been married for 20 years, right? And imagine her trying to explain to you what it means to be a woman. She could give you books. Yeah. You guys could watch movies. You guys could do research. You could put the fucking belly on. You could do the whole shenanigan. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you will never be a woman. Exactly. So you'll never understand that struggle. You'll have a great idea, right? You could explain it eloquently, but you'll never have that experience, right? So when it comes to racism and things of this nature, until you've experienced it firsthand, it's one of those things that you can just ignore, right? I think with that, with that, you're 100% right with what you're saying. But I think the one issue that everybody forgets about is as a human being, you need to have empathy for other people in their situations. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if I say there's an issue, don't come tell me there's no issue because you haven't experienced my issue like you said. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, if your girlfriend was to come in and say, I'm cramping. Yeah. You can't say, oh, I've never had those cramps. Just, I did that once. Brand not, new. not a strong move. Yeah, exactly. Because what happened? Would not recommend that. So I remember when we first yeah. started dating, she like she uh, we had that exactly. She was like, "Oh, I'm having my periods." Like, "Ah, oh, quit being a pussy, get up." And she just gave me this look, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I don't have ovaries. I don't know what that feels like." Exactly. I gotta feel better. Also, she's she hit me. <laughs> exactly. So, so I'm glad that you said that. So if that happens, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine if you had said that to her multiple times, and she just was like, "Okay, cool, whatever." Yeah. At some point in time, she got frustrated enough to where she wanted to put hands on you. Well, my girlfriend's Haitian. So well, yeah, I mean... Caribbean women don't fuck around. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. But, like, at a, at a certain point <laughs> yeah, in time, so she got to... at certain point, the, she's going to get mad. Mad. So, like, people are out here talking about, about the riots and everything. Mm-hmm. To me, I'm like, I can't sit here and condemn the riots until we address what they're rioting about. So, the thing that was interesting about the riots that took place is, I think this all goes back, really, to Obama, right? So when Obama, oh be- God, you sounded so conservative right there. No, 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 hear, no, hear me out, hear me out. Mm-hmm. So when Obama became president, as a country, we were like, oh, we are in a post-racial society. Race doesn't exist. Oh my God, racism gosh, is over. Yeah. There are no more isms, right? Mm-hmm. And then you saw with like Trayvon Martin, right, and the other black people that were killed after that, that there definitely I was. You, I think you can start even before that. Well, I'm just going to a, a, a more recent point, right? So yeah. people, because we're on Trump now, and people can remember Obama. Because I think once you get the Bush, you're right. No, I was going to say even in like you start before that in the Obama like presidency when he became president, even when he was running, how many racial uh, epitaphs were put out about yeah. him and his wife? You know. Well, that was the thing too. So in America, we kind of have this like, oh, that was a long time ago. Just forget about it or get over it, right? But, like, when you're talking about, especially, like, slavery or just, like, even the Indians, bro. The Indians got fucked over worse than anybody. Yeah. Right? Essentially what they do, when you tell someone to just get over it that happened a long time ago, it's like, if I slap the fuck out of you, right, and then a week later I'm like, why are you still mad? That shit happened last week. Yeah. But imagine I slapped you for 400 years. Yeah. Or, like, took your land or some shit like that. Like, but, those scars don't go away. But even still, what, what blows me, because people will use that argument that it happened 400 years ago. Mm-hmm. Racism didn't stop when the slaves were free. No, it did not. We had Reconstruction. We had the KKK. We had redlining. Mm -hmm. Redlining is a direct result of everything that is going on right now. Yes. Slavery. Slavery didn't... The 13th Amendment did not abolish slavery. Yes. There's a, a... asterisk in there that says slavery can still be used and be cut in jails mm-hmm. so the highest rate of people that you see going to prison are people of color yes slavery just changed its name it has not ended well, that's another thing too it, it 
it all it all boils down to in a sense it, it all boils down to education mm-hmm. and then you can educate someone but they can still remain ignorant and for me it's about one thing i have appreciated about the coronavirus is that it shut everything down to where you couldn't turn away and ignore it you couldn't watch your sports you couldn't go to the movies you could you had to sit here and we had as a country Right, we had to be honest about what's going on, and the one thing I think that is gen- that's happening now is this. After this last, those these last few killings, bro, what you're seeing is like you're seeing people hunker down and be more ignorant, but you're also seeing people going, "We're sick of this shit," right? Yeah. And it's not just black people, bro. Like first responders, police, uh, ambulance workers, EMS people, national guardsmen, everyone has to be sick of this. Because think about this. Because of what four incompetent officers did, right? You have now hurt the 99% of other people, other first responders, and other police officers who are fantastic at their jobs. And not only that, you have put them directly into danger for your actions. I agree with that. I don't agree with that 99%. Oh, no. I'm, I'm, okay, so here's my thing. <laughs> I'm real. Look. No, here's my thing. I'm a firm believer mm-hmm. that 99.9% of people in the world, regardless of what they do, are good. I disagree. No, here's my thing. Mm-hmm. So there are 7 billion people in the world. So let's just call it 99. Mm-hmm. 99%. 7 billion people. What is 1% of 7 billion? Somewhere around 7. So that's 650,000. 650 million, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I think it's, some, it's closer to like... Hold on, I got a calculator. Yeah. <laughs> 70, we have 7 billion people. I think it's close to like 7. Isn't it 70 million? No, because so 10% of 7 billion is 7. Wow, we are, we are showing Look, our asses right well, now. All right, 7 million. <laughs> Damn, I can't go higher. Times... <laughs> Point zero nine. No, I'm doing this math wrong. It's okay. Hold up. We have the Googles. <laughs> we have <laughs> we have the technology. Times point zero one. What is seventy million? Seventy million. Yes. Seventy million. Mm-hmm. All right. Seventy million people that you sprinkled out across the world. Those are your shitty cops. Those are your dictators. Those are your ISIS. All it takes is 1% of the world to fuck it up for everyone else. I don't even agree with the 70 million. That's way too low. Because my thing is with police officers, Mm -hmm. you can go home and say you're a good cop. Mm -hmm. The training that you receive is bias. You are trained to think that someone with a hoodie of a darker skin is a threat to you. Because what did did police... So the, the police states in um, the, 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 the idea of a police officer. In the North, originated from a totally different thing in the South. Mm-hmm. The police in the South originated from slave catchers. Yes. So the basis of police as it is known today in Southern part of America and, and states that had slavery is based off of catching black people when they ran away from their oppressive states, right? So if we look at the trainings and even if we look at the, the trainings and the people that are, are running, like the, the heads of the police, um, was it the police unions? Police unions, chiefs, and all the Exactly. Leadership. Yeah. What are they training them? The guy and the police chief in Minnesota, I forgot his name, he's extremely right wing. Mm-hmm. Extremely right wing. Very, very conservative. He's teaching this whole warrior police officer thing. And I'm not saying the idea of a police officer is bad. I think that we need to retrain them. 
they need to be retrained to their implicit bias mm-hmm. is the issue because you're training them to see someone in who doesn't look like them mm-hmm. as bad. Mm-hmm. Why is it that black people have two and a half times more likely to be killed by a police officer than a white person? Oh, because black people are scary. What is scary about so, black skin? And that's my this, biggest question. There's really a deeper, there's a lot of deeper issues and training is one of them. But um, one, I think being a police officer is an incredibly stressful job. Yeah, right? I agree. Because when you put on your badge, you, there is somebody out there who wants to kill you. Mm-hmm. That is an unavoidable truth, and you literally are putting yourself on the front lines, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's I think it's I think it's also a matter of perspective too, because when you, the police officer when police officers put on that uniform, they go do their thing. They could pull over somebody for something as simple as a traffic stop. Your light, yeah. you, your brake lights out, right? Mm-hmm. They don't know you got fifteen fucking kilos of coke in the car. And you ain't trying to go back, and cops died that way. Yeah, and it's so, very sad. Like, I feel like that kind of mentality, especially. Because we don't see it, we don't experience it. Mm-hmm. It will kind of make them harden. Because I, I, I have known plenty of cops, man. In fact, um, because I knew a cop, it kept us from getting arrested one time. Mm-hmm. I have police right? officer friends in the city of Huntsville. But I think it, it, it really goes deeper than that. So, do you know what um, the lost cause was? I've heard that name before. So, We've had a conversation about that before. I think when we study history in this country, um, we never really study the reconstruction period of after the civil war. So Mm -hmm. the lost cause comes out of this idea in the South that, Oh, the war was Mm -hmm. a noble cause for Northern Mm -hmm. aggression. And then it wasn't about slavery. It's about states' rights, Yeah, but it was states' rights to own slaves. Slaves. Right. Mm -hmm. So after that, the North wanted to um, allow the South to come back in and not treat them like um, a conquered nation. They basically wanted them to be states again, to reform the Union. So after um, Abraham Lincoln got his head blown off, uh, the other guy came in there, and he was like, oh, just let them do what they want. Mm-hmm. It was, so what did they... Oh, shit, I forgot who were president. Yeah, no one gives yeah. a fuck about him. Anyway, um, after that, what did you see happen? These, these, these um, soldiers got together and would memorialize what they felt was a, a, a noble loss, right? So they would, they would, there would be these groups like the Daughters of the Confederacy, these mm-hmm. veterans groups, and what did they end up doing? The KKK. Well, no, that's just not, not just the Klan. Some way worse than the Klan. They would get together, and they would, they would um, hold tremendous political sway in the South mm-hmm. to the point that they wrote the history books that would be taught for generations. Still taught. So the Civil War was never seen. As a war for slavery, it was a war for states' rights. They tried to distance themselves from slavery, so it became more noble. And then when you see these, it even translates down to now. So when you see these arguments about the Confederate flag, which, by the way, that flag is not the Confederate flag. It's not. It's not. You see them talking about heritage and whatever this is, right? Trying to avoid the truth of, one, because I don't understand the heritage argument, because basically you're saying we are proud of taking an L. That's like if the Falcons, after they blew that Super Bowl, got... Congratulations, rings you made it. And that's my thing. Like everybody will bring that up to me. They're like, "Oh no, it's heritage." Not I'm like, "Heritage of what? You getting your ass kicked trying to defend now, slavery?" No, I understand Southern pride because this, bro. Let me tell you something. Outside of like, because even the South, like you run into your races, but they're few. They're coming fewer and fewer and fewer now. Like, you get out to the sticks, you know, get me, get some crazy shit. But like, dude, the South is the chillest place to fucking live. Yeah, 90% of the people you you find here, super nice, give this give you the shirt off their back, they're super humble, they're very helpful, 
it's a tremendous place to live. Like if that's what you're talking about, bro, I'm fucking with you. But you gotta lose. You gotta lose the flag. And I think one thing I love, like one thing I love now, is you're seeing like with NASCAR saying no more flag, no more that flag here. Dude, did you see the Redskins today? They yeah. they lost a bunch of like retailers. They're like, we're not putting up with that shit. Like, yeah. I it's think getting it's, to, it's getting to the point now where people are getting so sick of this shit. They're like, look, we can march, we can burn shit, or we can. I'm not. Gonna, I'm just not going to support you financially until you change, right? So change is being forced. Even with the NFL, which I thought the way they handled the Colin Kaepernick situation Terrible. was fucking horrible. Now I still don't like what they're doing. So here's the thing. If we can be honest about Colin Kaepernick, right? He wasn't a Hall of Fame quarterback. No. Right? But he's still better than fucking... Nathan, Everybody than else Nathan, that look, got... Nathan Peterman? You're telling me Nathan Peterman was better than Colin Kaepernick? No. Fuck you. Colin Kaepernick could could have literally been like Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Yes. Because Ryan literally... Fitzpatrick was terrible with the... But here's the thing. Ryan Fitzpatrick has these moments where he looks like a fucking pro bowler, and then he has these slouches. That would have been Colin Kaepernick's career. Mm-hmm. But for what he did, right? He got black... them to the Super Bowl. It was, it was the defense, but it, somebody had to score the points. You know what I'm saying? He had to score. And it's that option. Nobody Super- understood the option. He got in the Super Bowl, but then defenses figured him out, and they figured yeah. out they couldn't throw, and then there was a whole debacle there. But I'm saying that he was a competent NFL quarterback who deserved to be on a team. Exactly. And it wasn't his skills that kept him out. It was what he did, taking a knee. Which even then, what happened? Well, you're disrespecting the flag. You were doing everything but addressing the argument. And as... I feel like at that time it was really frustrating because it's like, well, what do you want us to do? We can't protest because then we get called thugs. We can't talk about it because then we're bringing up negative things on Race TV. Spaders. We can't, you know what I'm saying? So it's all about avoiding the issue. But now that this COVID shit is happening, you can't avoid it. And people are like, look, the economy is tanking, so my dollar has now become very precious. Do you want it or not? Yeah. So now you're seeing the NFL because didn't you see that the NFL had to settle out of court? Yeah. With Eric Reed and fucking Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. because they did blackball him, mm-hmm. right? They got, I think it was like a, a few hundred million. It's a, it was an undisclosed, uh, it was an undisclosed um, lawsuit, right? But even now, I think Colin Kaepernick he can do more. He's actually doing more not playing football. Like think about this, Colin Kaepernick got a fucking Nike commercial not playing football. Yeah. So he's actually doing more outside of playing football. But I think, especially with the NBA, I love how the NBA is handling all of this. The NBA has been very open. And very speak your mind. That's that's one thing I appreciate about how they run their league, mm-hmm. especially because the majority, because they understand the majority of their fans are black, right? Yeah. And the NFL, they're just like, well, we don't want to lose, you know, middle America's like, yeah, it's so crazy with them because I was watching um, first takes uh, discussion. So I I think you did hear about the um, how they're playing the, um, the black national anthem. Yeah, on the first week, mm-hmm. Shannon Sharp was like, that's great, but you're not addressing what you did to Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, like that's really that's really funny that you're doing all this and you have Colin Kaepernick still, still sitting on the side with no apology. Like you gave him money. Yeah. What is that? That you proved that you you were against. Yeah, him. they handled that. It was a they, they handled it horribly, right? Like the and I'm not just saying like the commissioner did. Cause I think the commissioner fucked up big time. Like I'm not a huge fan of Roger Goodell. Period. I haven't been a fan of Roger Goodell, but I feel like Michael the Faye. league let Colin Kaepernick down. And now you see all these coaches coming out. Well, you know, we could have signed him, but we thought about it. Like, no until he signed. You are all complicit in this, right? Yeah. Like, if you don't know who Nathan Peterman is, just go Google Nathan Peterman highlights. That guy got a job before Colin. What's even worse is so I'm a very I'm a huge Baltimore Ravens fan. So growing up, guess who my favorite player was Ray Lewis. He was he's crazy. Yeah. So the Baltimore Ravens were looking at signing Colin Kaepernick as a backup to Joe Flacco to kind of teach Lamar Jackson, right? Mm -hmm. And 
Ray Lewis himself went to the owner and was like, we don't want him. I think Colin Kaepernick, um, either Colin Kaepernick's girlfriend and Ray mm-hmm. Lewis or Ray Lewis's girlfriend and Colin Kaepernick had a back and forth on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And it was about him kneeling. Mm-hmm. And then the very next week, Ray Lewis was had said, he's like, I'm never going to kneel. The very next week, he was kneeling with his friend, okay, with okay. the so whole here's team. here's my thing. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I was watching this um, this little documentary and I noticed this too. Um, when you think about like the so, – Think about like athletes from the '90s, and think about athletes now. So primarily, primarily think about Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. So Jordan was at his prime when like LA riots and shit were going on. Yeah. But what did he say? Republicans buy shoes too. Mm-hmm. You had a very PC league, right? So they very much didn't want their players speaking out. On top of that, you didn't have social media where they had these outlets. Then you think of like LeBron, and this is why LeBron James, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is the. This is me, right? I, agree I think with he say. is the greatest basketball player of all, of all time. time. Mm-hmm. So when you think about Jordan, you think about all his on-court heroics and the mythic shit he did, but then you think about his off-the-court off brand, which set the groundwork. But LeBron, he's won championships. He brought a championship to Cleveland, which is probably the only thing they're going to have nice for the next 100 years. Yeah, He's fucking opened a school and helped. Like Literally, he's giving his all for that city. On top of that, he will not be silenced, and he's done more for just like peaceful black protests and peaceful dialogues in sports period than I think any other athlete has, I agree. which in my opinion cements him as the goat. Like it, in my, like, look, it goes LeBron, Kobe, Jordan. You putting Jordan behind Kobe. Yes. That's real, real reckless. So I, I go LeBron, Mike Kobe. Okay. Here's why I put um, Kobe over Michael. Okay, now hear me out because they both had Phil Jackson, mm-hmm. right? So that same coach. Mm-hmm. Kobe won one less ring, right? But co- the thing about Jordan is Jordan won all those rings, and who were his? He, he had the same consistent starting three. Who was it? It was Scotty. It was Scotty and Rodman. They were with Rodman him. didn't come until his second chip, I think it was. Okay, but yeah, Scotty and Rodman. Mm-hmm. Kobe lost Shaq. Now people forget. At this time, Shaq was the most lazy yet dominant big man Shaq is in the NBA and history. And Kobe said, "Fuck that," and he won two more. Yeah, granted, right. it took him four years, five years. Who cares? But he's still, yeah. Who no, it's about six or seven. Yeah. Who cares? I agree. Right, Jordan to me, he's almost like uh, he like he's almost like a mythic character that in a lot of people's mind is untouchable. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't talk, like, he's almost like talking about Thor or like a, a god in the pantheon, like the flu game. He can't, like, there's just these stories that make him bigger than life, right? Mm-hmm. But when you look at his impact outside of the game, he hasn't done shit. You, yeah, like, he, he it's not that he hurt. hasn't, it's not he that actually he, hurts the community. Yeah, it's not that he hasn't done shit, but like, there were things that he could have spoken up on. And because of the times he didn't, like, I understand that. But then, like, you got to think about how many dudes aren't alive now because of Jordans. Yeah. <laughs> like, a lot of people got shot over Jordans, man. Yeah. And I think it's crazy because there was a, I forgot his name. Um, oh, man, if I can remember his name, it's amazing. I saw a 30 for 30 on ESPN, and they were talking about the guy who actually in the NBA spoke up about police brutality and got blackballed from the, from yeah. the NBA. I forgot his name, but he literally went through the Colin Kaepernick treatment. Yeah. And Jordan literally could have said something. And I remember um, in the last dance, he was. they had asked him something about that. He was like, uh, people looked at me to be a, a, a leader for things like that. He's like, that's not who I am. And right there, I was like, yeah, I get that. That's really real. Mm-hmm. 
and I understand that not you not feeling like that's your calling, but you like Michael Jordan, like he might have been an asshole on the court and off the court. 100%. He might have like, but I don't know. Like if if you had been able to like stand up and say something. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, whenever he speaks, even in the nineties, he when had it comes to, everyone in his hands. Yeah, when it comes to selling Big Macs, so, you know, you might not love them, but you'll sell them because they'll pay you, right? Exactly. But it was one of those things. Like I say, it's a different time. I'm not even mad at him. I understand it. I'm disappointed. But like I love, I think it's interesting how now that he's made his money, now he's more vocal. Mm-hmm. But like when you look at athletes now, I I I, I love how the, like I said, I love how the NBA is handling it. And for me, with because I love football. Oh, yeah. I love watching it. I love talking about it. But the way the commissioners handled it was just just shitty. And like, I want him gone. Because mm-hmm. the thing about it too is he reinforces the owners, right? So after, because I remember after that, all the owners were like, "Well, we're not going to take knees. We're going to do this. We're going to do that." Because you're, you're not trying to piss off America. You're not trying to piss off Trump. But it's like this shit is happening, right? Yeah. And this is literally the least you can do. And my point, my problem with it was if you won't take the time to sit down and at least understand the argument. Like that's the biggest problem, right? I that's why I look like that's why what really wanted made me want to start this podcast, right? I want to bring people in here who I might not agree with a hundred percent, but I want you to explain yourself, talk it out. Because the one thing I've noticed too is when you talk it out to another person and you have to bounce that out idea off them in real time, you, you start to realize, like, am I really a dumbass? Or you no? start to realize like, that that yeah, hearing this come out of my mouth, sound, yeah, this is this might not be a good idea, right? Yeah. And also, like as you get older, the way you think about things and the way you view things changes, man. Because I remember, um, I was in a protest, and I, rem- I, I don't want to sound like a dick, but I remember after it was done, I got up and I felt kind of empty because I really wondered if anything would change. Yeah. And it didn't. And then I started looking to like what makes things change, and I noticed that like the things, the mechanisms in this country that are set up to affect real change are always the hardest things to get to. One of the quickest and easiest ways. In theory, to change things should be to vote. A riot. No, not a riot. <laughs> not starting any riot. Don't start a riot. It should be to vote. Voting should be the easiest thing in the world to do. Mm-hmm. Yet, it is easy to pay your taxes. There are no miscommunications when it comes to taxes. But when you want to vote, there's a bunch of by the ways. Oh, we shut down a polling station. Oh, you didn't suppression. register. Yeah. But it's and it's not even covert anymore. Like no, the the, the voter suppression that just went on in Fulton County here in Atlanta was exactly. very overt. Like if if I that's one thing. Regardless of what you believe, I feel like voting should be easier than ordering a fucking cheeseburger. I feel like everyone should be able to vote because I think, especially with how voting the system that is set up now, not even with the electoral electoral colleges, just the act of going out to vote, especially in these COVID times. Like it should be super. It should. It should. It should. You shouldn't even have to worry about it. You should just be able to fucking do it. So the insane thing to me is you're 100 percent right. But think about this: Martin Luther King Jr. was shot, mm-hmm. right? Because he was protesting. He was protesting, you know, for civil rights, nonviolently, and everything like that. And the end of his life, he started kind of changing. He understood the place. For violent protests, um, he even said that the riot rioting is a language of the unheard. Yes, when he died, they rioted across America for seven days mm-hmm. straight, fucking everything up. Mm-hmm. After those seven days, guess what was passed? The Civil Rights Act of nineteen sixty-eight. Jeez, well, that's the one thing too. Mm-hmm. My dad is a wise dude, and one of the wisest things he's ever told me, and it's the truest shit you'll ever hear. You never want anyone to be afraid of you. 
Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. When someone is afraid of you, you have absolutely no idea what they can do. How they're going to react if they feel threatened. Mm-hmm. You have no idea. And once violence is added to any situation, it has become volatile and unpredictable. Mm-hmm. No matter how these riots, no matter how these riots or looting start, it all stems from the fact that people don't feel safe. And they are afraid and they don't feel heard. Yeah. You know, and it's not something, and then like, it's not like these governors come in and like, we're going to sit in the National Guard. I don't understand. It's like, of course, because you didn't listen. Exactly. Now, I, I'm not, I'm, so I've studied Martin Luther King and I've studied Malcolm X, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're young, you're very Malcolm X. You're very fucking any means necessary. But then one thing I loved, one thing I noticed about Malcolm X's life is, there's Malcolm X pre-Mecca, and then there's Malcolm X post-Mecca. Mm-hmm. And when Malcolm X went to Mecca and he saw, like, oh, everyone should just be able to come. Everyone can come to Mecca, like white, black, yellow, whatever. They come to Mecca to get closer to God. Why can't we do that? And then he changed. And then you see Martin Luther King, as he went through his life, he's like, I kind of understand this violence because this getting my ass whipped shit isn't working. You know what I'm saying? It's not working out, right? And, like, what I... I don't know. I feel like almost as a community, we kind of, there are some issues that I think we kind of gave up on. Like one of the biggest issues to me, um, especially growing up, because I love studying history. And I was always like, we always talk about the same shit is I think I really believe that black history month should go away because I think black history shouldn't just be served to a month. It should just yeah. be fucking history. I agree with that. That should just be taught. You should be relegated to a month. You just continually go over the same I shit. I agree. No, this needs to just be history. I agree. So my statement on that is, um, I'll never forget this. You know, being in the in the school system, understand being seeing high school curriculums and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I my first year, not officially teaching, because um, I'm just completed that, but my first year substituting, mm-hmm. um, I taught history as well. Mm-hmm. I, I love history. I study history a lot. Uh, I love wars, but um, <laughs> everyone does. Yeah, you know, studying reading about the wars. Yeah. But I was teaching in the Huntsville City School System. I was a long-term substitute at the alternative school. Mm-hmm. Now, in that school, the, among the myriad of issues in the country's 48th state in terms of education, <laughs> um, you go to their history book. If you look in their history book, you'll see that the description of slavery is actually the description of indentured servitude. Yes. They blended the idea of indentured servitude. And for those who don't understand indentured servitude, I, I encourage you to Google it. Um, but indentured servitude was basically poor whites who lived in Europe were able were able to come over and pay off their debts by, pay, by working for seven years underneath a magistrate or a landowner or like – it was basically Something it like was basically that. like a discount feudal system. So exactly. the guy who owned the property would be the lord and you were a vassal until you paid off your debt. Exactly. And it's usually for about seven years. So after that seven years, they were free to go. That's not slavery. They had a bed. Those were servants. Yeah, that's called college. Yeah. <laughs> Slaves got their ass beat from the morning they woke from the time they woke up before the crack of dawn. Mm-hmm. Out in the fields, they got their ass beat picking cotton. Because I don't know if anyone ever has ever tried to actually pick cotton before. That shit hurts your hand. Oh, my God. Were you there? Oh, my God. Side note. Do you remember that time when the cotton fields behind Oakland were growing and you saw people running out there going, this ain't that? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That shit was bad. Oh, my God. That shit was bad. Oh, my God. But but it gets worse because you're not given food for real. You have to find your own food. Mm-hmm. 
if you're a man or a woman, you are raped and you can't say anything about it. Yeah. Your children are sold. Your loved ones are sold. You're not a person. You are a tool. Oh yeah. Just the idea of being a tool. Like well, people not, can't right? yeah, people can't fathom that because they've been told they're a person all the time, especially white people. Yeah. Cannot fathom that. Well, so it's also kind of a uh, growing up black and growing up white are kind of different experiences, right? Mm-hmm. So as a black kid, you're told the odds on everything, mm-hmm. literally everything. You're told uh, your odds of being shot by a cop, your odds of being incarcerated, your odds of getting diabetes. Like you are literally told the odds. White kids, hey man, you can be whatever you want. Work as hard as you can, and you'll be successful. Exactly. Um. But we're going to pivot, right? So now you are a teacher, as you've talked about a lot on this podcast, mm-hmm. and you teach in, what kind of school is it? I teach in a Title I school. Okay, so explain what a Title I school for people to understand. So Title I school um, is a school for underprivileged children. Um, I teach in a low-income uh, community. I actually live in the community as well, mm-hmm. um, which I, I see the benefits of. Um, but it's a low-income community, so this is a very, very urban society. Um, so the assumption is in these these areas, and some of these the assumptions are correct. This is a crime-ridden area mm-hmm. that's rough at night, you know, yeah. the, or during the day. You'll get shot, robbed, da 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 da. I'll sit here and say, no, I do be hearing gunshots. You know, I do. I've been playing. This is what Fourth of July weekend just passed. It was playing the gunshot versus. Um, versus firework theory and you can tell the difference just you know the sound oh yeah um but the community (laughs) the community needs healing you see a lot of people um you see the economic uh the elitism coming from out of town not out of town from other parts of the city the um really loss of hope in the area yeah my the the road that i live on their grocery their their food deserts the only grocery store really in that area is a family dollar. Mm. Target is the next exit over. Camp Creek area has Publix, Target, uh, Lowe's, all them, everything. You have to go up the street, Cascade, because I live off of Campbellton. So you have to go up the street off of Cascade mm-hmm. to go to the Walmart. Mm. Then you go down Greenbrier, down to Greenbrier Mall. There's no supermarket over there. There's a there's a Mrs. Winners. There's a Burger King. There's a, I think it's a Checkers. Mm-hmm. I think there's a KFC over there as well. Basically nothing healthy. No. And that's... Everything will kill you. And there's always liquor stores. That's terrible. That's, that's so sad. Whenever you stop... That's, what, was the Dave Chappelle sh- what was the Dave Chappelle joke? Gun store, liquor store, gun store, liquor store? Yeah. Yeah. No, like you can literally do that yeah. in Atlanta. And it's sad because you're like, what are you training those kids up to be? So you have those kids who are born in those areas... They are already predisposed to diabetes. Um, well, predisposed to everything negative. Exactly. Right. Sickle cell, everything. Not even talk about the environment they live in. Just, just, we'll yeah. just talk about nutrition and things like that, right? Yeah, just basic shit. Their parents have to drive, if they have a car, mm-hmm. to go to these supermarkets all the way down the road. Now, people might think, you know, one exit away in Atlanta is not that far. You still have to be able to get there. Yeah. An Uber there, an Uber back, it's probably $30, 40 $50. Yeah. Probably about $30. And going yeah. to and then you're shopping for multiple children and do these areas these areas don't receive public health like that mm-hmm. you have people who have less access to condoms mm-hmm. less access to proper health care yeah and things like that so then you add in the 
the crime element, mm -hmm. which is there, and all this is because of redlining. Mm -hmm. So for those of you that don't know redlining or don't understand what redlining is, back in the 20s and 30s, banks would take areas, take a map, and in any area that had a black family or was a black community, they would circle it with a red pen, literally redlining. They would outline areas with black families. So what they would do is they would go into the white families that were in there and let them know that there are black people living around them, telling them that they would drive down the property value. Yeah. So these white people went to sell their homes to move out of the area because they're like, oh, they're bringing down the neighborhood, da, 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 da. So the banks would get these houses for such cheap prices and they would get people, they would put in people like who are low income people and drive up the rates for them, their, their interest rates. So these people would never be able to pay back their homes. So over time, and you saw this in Detroit, you see this in Atlanta, you saw this especially in Newark, New Jersey. Oh yeah. So the com the quality of these communities went down. Okay. So if you have these these communities, the, the, the quality of these communities are going down, education is going down in the area, lack of funding and all, all basic necessities in these areas. That's mm -hmm. why I have situations like Flint where they don't have any water. And Newark, New Jersey is going through a similar process. They've been going through it for the, the last year. Yeah. Well, then on top of that too, wasn't... Um if, if black families would try to move out of these areas, it would be denied loans in certain, exactly. parts, like certain parts. So the hood was really manufactured, if you really think. Exactly, from the 1930s, and it's affecting us almost 100 years later. Yeah. So, because I know, like, whenever we talk about your work at school, you take a great deal of pride in, like, you, the story earlier, where you, you had reached out to this kid and you had reached him. You take a great deal of pride in teaching in these areas. Mm -hmm. Is it because you, do you... Do you feel like you're making an impact on these kids' lives? Do you think like you could be one of the reasons that they could be successful? Is that what drives you, or what what what, yeah. what is it that gives you the most fulfillment out of this job? Yeah, that's really what drives me. Um, so I grew up in a, um, I won't say I was poor. Um, I was much more affluent than most people. I grew up in one of the richest counties in America. Oh, he's big baller, DJ Khaled. My parents shrimp and lobster every night. My cro parents, <laughs> yeah, exactly. my parents grossed somewhere around two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars a year mm -hmm. back then when they were together. Mm -hmm. um, so I went. I was in a, a school system where up until eighth grade I was the only black kid in the district, and then my brother joined the district. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, that was from first grade to eighth grade. And then I went to a, um, a mixed high school, and then I went to HBCU. And I, I had my class in high school, I took African American history mm -hmm. um, with my teacher Tanya Cepeda, whose uh, husband was actually one of the the um, presidents of Def Jam. I forgot his name, um, but you can look him up. Um, she taught me African American history, and she was one of the most influential teachers in my life because I never had thought about going to an HBCU. Um, the, the way God got me to Oakwood was crazy, but I got there and it, that class plus, uh, uh, being taught at Oakwood and just seeing everything going on with social justice, being open to that information mm -hmm. really changed my mindset. And my thought process was these children in these, these low income communities, they don't have positive black male role models. Yeah. All they see is drugs and, you know, gang violence. And sometimes they'll just see poverty. It's, well, so, it's not even the drugs or the gang violence. They see what works and what doesn't. Exactly. And so I'm, not, I'm not knocking them for that. You can't. I can't knock them because at the end of the day, you have to put food on the table. Yeah. So, I understand mm -hmm. why people sell drugs and why people turn to crime. Oh, 100%. Because they feel like they have no other way out. And that's not that's not a them issue. It's a society has failed them in that way. Mm -hmm. You know? So, I mean, you do have to take some responsibility. Well, it's also, some, it's also but, kind of a self-esteem issue, too. Yeah. 
So if like if I'm growing if I grow up in a neighborhood that has just been fucked up, mm-hmm. right? It's always been fucked up. Never been nice. Yeah. The people that I see are making money are the people who are doing wrong. Yeah. Right. You bring me to church. Jesus is white. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. If this shit isn't working for you, Grandma's lost her foot. I'm just a nigga. Yeah. So fuck it. What's stealing a car? Exactly. So they be hot boxing cars like crazy. Yeah. Right? So fuck it. What's stealing a car? What's exactly. what's what's doing this? Because what's the worst? I'm just gonna have a president and get shot. It's better than what I'm doing. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So fuck it. And then if you talk to these people who do these things, it's not like they're super duper proud of it. They're just like, this is fuck. I don't. They're like, I remember I was watching this one documentary about Chicago. And they were following these kids who, like, they were, like, 15, 16 years old. They were selling drugs, and they had guns and shit. And the guy goes, do you guys enjoy this? He goes, fuck no. Yeah. You think I want to be out here doing this? Exactly. <laughs> I have, like, literally, they feel like they have no other options, right? And that's the, that's the one I can tell, like, in my students. Because my students mostly are 15 to, to 18. Yeah. I can tell the people who are actually about that life and the ones that are faking. Yeah. Because the ones that are faking are like, oh, yeah, we was out there robbing that car, you know, da, 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 yeah, trying to show off. Or, and the other ones who do it, like, yo, I have to do this because yeah, I have I'm to. Per- I'm not doing this because I want to. This yeah. isn't a fucking Like, my, my water is off. Yeah. I can't, like, like, I don't have lights. There's no, the only time I eat. I have a lot of kids. The only time that they eat is when they get there in the morning. Mm-hmm. They don't have money for lunch. Yeah. They, ha- they get a, you know, they have to. And so I do feel like I'm making a change because crazy enough that, I'm so, I think it, this was specifically God why we did the podcast this week mm-hmm. because Thursday night um, I went out to to the races mm-hmm. right uh, I went to well I originally went to a, a meet up in Gwinnett and then we went to the races in an undisclosed location and a friend of mine um, well this guy I met at the at the at the the meet he's like oh I'm about to go race da 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 mm-hmm. um, I was like okay cool I'm gonna film out of your car so we were racing the car um, racing it was a BMW it's a um, single turbo BMW E36 so that's the E36 M3 I think he said it was a 1997 mm-hmm. M3 you're racing a 135 right mm-hmm. this is just the build up for the story so we were racing the cars and he um, dropped a valve in his engine so basically his motor shut off yeah. and it was a lot of crap going on for those who are not into cars right so car shut off we were stranded because I rode with him mm-hmm. we were far away from my car right mm-hmm. so we had to call a tow truck then the tow truck couldn't pick it up because the car was too low so we had to uber back to my car drive to his house everything so <laughs> it was a lot we were out yeah. there i didn't get home because when i left finally left him at like 3 30 i'm driving halfway back home i'm like oh, i don't have my keys <laughs> i left my keys in his car yeah i mean i didn't know at that time so i get home i i met i text my friends like bro can i just sleep on your on your couch and she's like yeah fine whatever so I get there. I'm about to go to sleep. I see a message on my my Instagram account from my um, business profile. I was like, oh, I didn't see this earlier. One of my students from Huntsville reached out to me and was like, Mr. Rose, I'm going through a lot right now. Um, I remember, like, I have no one to talk to. I'm extremely depressed. Um, and I remember you used to talk to me about God and Jesus every day. Mm-hmm. I remember that you specifically uh, would play this and you would tell me specific verses i just need someone to talk to mm. she sent me that that message at 245 it was like 4 30 when i got the message like i actually looked i was like i hope she's awake you know i was like this is da 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 um i know that you're going through a lot because she had talked to me about some things like she is in a really bad situation not to yeah. tell her business but she's yeah. in a very very bad situation yeah. um just like here's this that and the other i hope I've, you've been on my mind my kids are my students are always on my mind always praying over them mm-hmm. um 
just here if you ever need to speak to me here she responds back mm-hmm. she's like oh i'm so glad that i, I didn't know you're actually gonna respond i just feel <laughs> great and i'm just like we're talking we talked until six o'clock in the morning this is she's 16 now mm-hmm. um i remember her she came in about we'll say february of 2019 to the the program the alternative school i was at and those of you who don't know alternative school all the kids in huntsville city schools um district that got expelled from their schools went to the alternative schools. Yeah, it's like their last chance. Exactly, last chance before jail. So she had been exp- ex- expelled for, I think it was fighting mm-hmm. or something stupid. And they do that, The most of the kids in there were, it was 98% black. She's um, Hispanic, Latino, mm-hmm. actually from of Mexican descent. Okay. So um, she... So she's Hispanic. Yeah. I got a friend, he's, he's Puerto Rican, and if you get Hispanic and Latino mixed up, he gets very angry. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I thought it was Latino, um, but she's actually Mexican. She's yeah. 100% Mexican. So um, she was had told me a lot during that time. I taught them. I taught her. She was there from February till school ended in June mm-hmm. or May. Sorry. So we built a relationship. I build relationship with my students, especially that class. It was my homeroom was that ninth grade class. We had about 10 kids in there mm-hmm. at most. So I made great relationships with those kids. She would tell me everything that was going on. Um, she would tell certain things that went on in her life to me yeah. and we built a relationship. I would always play gospel for them in the morning yeah. just cause you know, it is. And that's a strong way to start the morning. <laughs> yes. You, they walked in, they'd be like, ah, Miss Rose, turn this off. I'd be like, no, you're going to get this, you know? <laughs> so, and the thing is, it's funny because they hated it, but look how much of an impact again. I hadn't spoken to this girl since May 15th, 2019. Yeah. And here she is hitting me back up. June, July, 2020, mm-hmm. just trying to reach out. She said that she she didn't even remember what my stuff was. She her boyfriend at the time was in love with cars. Now he was a oh. he was a he was a, a felon at the mm-hmm. time. Um, he was interested in cars. This little white guy. He he got arrested for like third degree burglary, and they gave him a felony. They, they like broke into a abandoned gas station just to see what was in there. He got third degree bel- um uh, burglary, but he was into cars. Yeah, and she had hit him up to ask him what my YouTube was Mm -hmm. and he remembered it. So she reached out through that and everything. So she, now she's doing good. Um, she's doing better. She, she and I talked maybe two days ago. Um, and I was like, do you have a Bible? Mm -hmm. You know, she's like, no, I don't. I was like, here, use this app. I'm going to get you a Bible. So right now I'm trying to get a Bible for her. Um, like an actual one or the app? A physical Bible. She, I told her to download the, the app, but just to have a physical Bible for her to, to read, to carry around and remember. Yeah. So, and my plan was, um, I was thinking about this yesterday, just to go in and highlighting specific verses that always helped me. Mm-hmm. So she has them and she knows specifically where to go Yeah. every time. So I do think, that's just one story. Like I've had students who, um, I had a student this year who was being assaulted by her, her, um, her mother's boyfriend mm-hmm. and when she told me she could walked into class and she couldn't walk and she's in my first period like she's my 1a class and there's only 14 kids in my 1a class and she's one of my brighter students in that class and mm-hmm. who actually participates she couldn't walk properly and i knew something was wrong Ooh. and i was like what happened and her and her friends were like no nah, don't tell him and she's like no nah, i'll tell mr rose he's cool enough she came up and told me and she said that her father her not her father her mother's boyfriend had beaten her and her mother and choked her out on the sidewalk in the apartment complex. Oh. And when she came back too, she beat, he beat her again. Oh. And that had happened the night before. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like, are you okay? We went straight to the social worker. Mm-hmm. Um, everything took, like, 
he took care of it and she recounted the story and he was like how long has this been going on mind you this is a 15 16 year old girl yeah she said it'd been going on since daycare she was in daycare oh my god to the point where holy he's, shit they have restraining orders on him but he would still come in the house and beat the shit out of so that's him. just her life yeah she's like she was very indifferent they're like you know this is, i was i said to her i was like you know this is not normal she's like it's whatever this is a 16 year old girl and the only thing, the only pot, the only male role model she's seen in her life is someone assaulting her. Gee, I don't know if she's had connections with her teachers and things like yeah. that. But in that moment, I was able to be, like, I always would joke with them in class, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I've had other students that were homeless. And this yeah. is just my first year in teaching in this school. Mm -hmm. I had students that were homeless. I had other students that were cutting themselves. I had other students that, you know, acting up. They put me right by the bathroom and all the kids, the guys love going in the bathroom because they, you know, run 30 seconds. I've been, I'm the one there who had to go break up the fight. Like I had to hold two kids like apart from each other on the ground, you know, because mm -hmm. it is. It's, and I'm like, okay, I understand why they're doing it. I'm empathetic to it, but they don't have the positive. Like let me be the positivity in their life. Yeah. So a lot of my students, from what I can tell, they don't even look at me like an adult because like I told them how old I am. I'm 25 for people who, don't, who know. I'm 25. They're like, basically a kid. Yeah. They're like, you're my, you're my older brother. Yeah. But the fact that they look at me as an older brother means I can positively affect them. Yeah, it means you can relate. Yeah, you know? So That's dope. Yeah, those are my babies, man. I, I wonder, I, I really stress over them this summer. Like, I stress over their health, you know, like yeah. in my head. Like, I pray over them. I really, I wish, like, I was able to reach out to them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you can't There's only so much you can do, especially yeah. in these times. Yeah, you know, so I... Those are my kids. My my heart. They. I'm a bleeding heart for my students. That's one thing I can appreciate because there are a lot of people who talk about trying to make a positive influence. Mm -hmm. um, the people that piss me off the most are the ones that like just keep retweeting shit on Facebook or like reposting things without putting forth any effort. Yeah. Which I feel is the cheapest form of like just anything, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's. I think it's. I think what you're doing is in, is great. I encourage you to keep it up. And like I like I said, man, I love having people in my life who make me feel lazy, or <laughs> no, seriously. I love having people in my life who make me feel lazy or have different viewpoints and different things that make me reevaluate things, man. And one of the things I do appreciate about you is one, you always call me with the most random crazy things at the great times to get me out of the house, which is fantastic. <laughs> it usually involves hanging out of a fucking car window. So that's pretty Look, dope. when are you when are you free to do this again? Because I have to, I have a few more videos <laughs> to film. <laughs> but like, I also appreciate the fact that you are. Um, very active in your students' lives and you take it very seriously, man. Yeah. Um, because you don't know you you and a lot of those kids lives it seems like you're the only positivity or the only positive person outside of the families that they may see and especially if like for me um i i believe because i had a mom and dad and especially having a father showing me what it meant to be a man not just a black man but just a man in general i don't take it lightly yeah right so i believe that like especially as a black man i have to carry myself a certain way because I might be the only positive black man that somebody sees. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So we've been here. It's two hours now. Um, I think this is a solid point. This is a good place to wrap it up. What do you got going on? You got anything going on? You got any videos dropping? You got any plugs you want to make? What um, you got? What you well, got I do want to remind you guys to go subscribe to Barbells and Burnouts. Um, we have a few builds going on. Currently, we are dropping a K-Series engine. Um, for those who don't understand what that is, that is the engine out of the Acura TL Type S. We are taking out, it's also in the Honda Accord from 2005 to 2009. We are taking that engine and putting it in a Honda S2000. Uh, my friend blew his motor in his, 
and he was like, "Fuck it, I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't know." The F twenty C engine is like the whole drivetrain is like thirty five hundred for a, a high mileage one. I can get a K series for like uh, nine hundred dollars, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, the whole swap's costing him about nine K, but that's nine K where he can go get a motor for nine hundred dollars every other time. Science. And you know, I have to re up on that F twenty C, so we're putting that in the car right now. Okay. I'm also um, launching some new merch. Oh shit! In October. By the way, his old merch—if you haven't seen it—is tremendous. The send it through the block hoodies and shirts yes, are fantastic. Yes, sir. Those are coming back as well. Um, you can find them. We're soon to be. I'm gonna speak this into existence. It's not up yet. So the way we're doing orders now is you uh, message me on Instagram or on uh, Facebook. We're taking orders that way, and it's done through PayPal. But by by summer 2021, we're gonna have a website. I'm speaking that to existence. Maybe, maybe even f- winter 2020. Just want to see what's going on, but we're going to have a website up. Um, it's going to have all the information, just like a, a store to shop off of. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some movies coming out, some reviews. I have a review on a MK4 Super, the Super that everybody knows from the Fast and Furious. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine at Huntsville confirmed that he wants to do it. Um, oh, shit. It's going to be either six or 800 horsepower. One of he said, one of the things, I think it was 800. He said, um, so that's going to blow my mind and a few people's <laughs> minds. Um, I have some movies that are coming out. We're filming a BMW movie soon. Mm-hmm. Um, just the BMWs of Atlanta. Okay. Um, it's a lot of BMWs in Atlanta in case you don't know. Yeah. Uh, I also have a, I wanted, I'm planning and trying to do the logistics for a Dodge movie. Dodges of Atlanta, Hellcats and Chargers. Is Vin Diesel going to be in it? Uh, I don't know if he'll answer my text back. Just, so. Let's just send him a DM and tell him, you know, you're with the company. He's in, he's in all the Dodge commercials now. He just comes yeah. out of nowhere. I'm gonna put I'm, I'm gonna put him in there. There's another family. Or I'm gonna find <laughs> a, I'm gonna find a lookalike. <laughs> you know, just reference him and then do like a pass on him. But yeah, so I have a lot of things planned. Uh, I'm not letting COVID nineteen stop me. Uh, stay safe out there. Yeah, that's the fun. God part. damn it! Please stay safe. Yeah, that's the fun part. Um, and. I think that's all that I have going on right now. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah. please go to his YouTube channel, Bar, uh, Barbells and Burnouts. It's tremendous. I'm going to put a link for all your social media stuff, man. I really appreciate you coming out here. This is an open door. Anytime you got something you want to talk about, you just want to come through and shoot the shit, you can. Definitely, bro. You know I'm going to come do some burnouts on your front lawn. You know <laughs> please don't. <laughs> this is a rental, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Brilliant. Yes, sir. Brilliant. That was an awesome podcast. I love talking to people who have experienced different things from me and who walk a different path than me and who may engage in different insanity than I do. Um, I think the biggest takeaway I got from this podcast is to go around spreading love and positivity as much as you can and to listen to people. And, you know, the quickest way to spread some love and positivity, as soon as this podcast is done, call your mom, tell you love her, because you just don't know how many times you're going to get to do that. You can follow me on Instagram at Joel the Wise. You can follow me on Facebook at Brandon J. Pridgett. And you can like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We really appreciate you listening. And above all, be good to each other. Peace. <laughs>